Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It is great to have you with us at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, a glorious day in St. Louis, high of 78 degrees, sun this afternoon. So if you can leave work and tell the boss, hey, Randy on 101 ESPN told me this morning, and Randy is a, by some, thought relatively highly <laughs> thought of person in St. Louis, just tell the boss Randy said that you need the afternoon off and see how that goes over. Just see if it works. Try it. Can't hurt. I mean, all, all they can do is say, who the hell's Randy Carricker? <laughs> how are you guys doing? It, it can't good. hurt. <laughs> and we're, I'm doing well. Brooke, are you doing well? You, I'm doing good? good. I we, mean, we it, it was nice and warm. Usually I'm like shivering whenever I'm like leaving to mm-hmm. come here towards work. And I was like, wow. Feels like a nice, warm breeze. Like we're right near the beach, right? It's we're near perfect. the beach. Yeah, we're almost. Life's about perspective. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is, our city isn't going to fall into the sea. No, <laughs> there that, we that's, go. That's important. <laughs> yes. Should that be should that be the new slogan for getting people to yeah, move to yeah. the Midwest? Our city isn't falling into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> what a weekend of sports, and we have a lot for you today. We're going to talk to the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, later on the show. We've got three things we loved from the weekend. Jack Flaherty, who had an interesting outing and a loss for St. Louis City SC, which was not great. Not many highlights when you lose 1-0 on the pitch in your kits. No. I, I, but the thing is, is I still liked the ending there of when all the guys came together mm-hmm. and, you know, just cheered, I guess, the crowd that had supported them. I, yeah. That would be the best way to put it. I thought that that was amazing. We knew that eventually that they would lose, right? Um, yeah, you just didn't. So. At some point, I know. Well, come on, you you we knew yeah. that it was going to happen at some, at some point. point. But still, I mean, what a run! A run of shutouts. You had two straight for them. Also, we didn't have any Zhao Klaus moments, but the fact right. that he was pretty much doing something in every single game leading up to this point. I think this will be a great learning experience for them, at least. Definitely. They're fun. And by the way, Matthew Rocchio was out on Thursday and Friday. He was down in the Valley of the Sun to see his favorite player play. How'd that go? How did, oh, he how, looks how did, tanned, how did your guy, how did your guy play for the, for the Nuggets? <laughs> he had a calf strain. <laughs> did play. Dang it. And shocking. Here's the thing. Randy, as a Mizzou fan, I also got robbed of watching Michael Porter Jr. again. <laughs> oh, shocking development. <laughs> Stunning. <laughs> Stunning that Michael Porter Jr. would miss a game. The, the, the Iron Horse was out. <laughs> oh. He played well last night, unfortunately. He, he played very well last night. Texter from the 618 said, my boss was in the car with me. I looked at, looked at him and he shook his head no. <laughs> okay. I said, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm on your side. I just want you to know that uh, Randy is on your for side. You. Yeah. And it's, I'm talking about after lunch. I'm not talking about right now. Hey, what a, what a game yesterday for the Cardinals. After their 4-1 win, they took a no-hitter into the seventh on Saturday. Yesterday... 
They took out the big sticks. Brendan Donovan led off the game with a home run. Alec Burleson hit a home run. And so the Cardinals, who spent most of last season looking for left-handed hitting, I remember John Denton coming on this show saying, what are the Cardinals going to do for a left-handed hitter? And John Denton said, Randy, can you hit left-handed? And, and I, I couldn't. So you've got a home run from Donovan. You've got a home run from Burleson. And Nolan Gorman steps to the plate. That ball launched high in the air, right center field. That baby's belted. That baby is long gone. Chip Carey with the call on Bally Sports. 4 nothing cards after an inning, but the Cardinals did allow three in the top of the second. So it's a 4-3 game as we go to the bottom of the third inning. Nolan Arnato driving one home, and there's that guy again. Nolan Gorman, part of the Cardinal lead. He had a two-run home run in the first inning. He did. High fly ball. Belted right. Nolan Gorman with two home runs. The Cardinals had an, an incredible offensive output as they rolled the Jays 9-4. Chris Bassett, who has eight different pitches, didn't use them all very effectively against the Cardinals. And Nolan Gorman saw him pretty well. As a matter of fact, Gorman's been seeing everybody pretty well because of adjustments during the offseason. I think just landing in a better position um, to, to swing and earlier so I can recognize pitches. Um, I think from there, it's just, you know, like I said, getting that good swing off is I got to be in a good position to hit from to start. I don't know if he'll hit 444 for the season. That's what he's hitting right now. I'm guessing he probably won't hit 444 for the season. <laughs> Why? Why are you, you being a Debbie down? Downer? Just a little bit. A Debbie Downer, yeah. Just a little bit. But here's the thing, and Brooke, you and I were at the workout last week, and everybody we ask about Nolan Gorman, when we talk about 30 home runs, they kind of step back. It's like almost only thirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he he's been fantastic. I mean, him and Brendan Donovan are the two that just stuck out to me this weekend. And also, can we just say that this Cardinals offense looks pretty lethal because you saw like the opening day win. You're like, wow, these this is a lot of runs, right? A lot of hits. Surely this won't continue throughout the entire weekend because we saw spurts of that last year where they would have one like really great offensive game and then nothing the next yeah. one and it would just keep going like that. The Cardinals scored 22 runs and collected 41 hits through the three games this weekend in the series win. Their first series win of the season. That's right. Win the first series. Hey, if you win two out of three every single series, you're going to have a pretty good season. I agree. <laughs> I agree with that. And and Randy, they are. We talked about it. Right now, you said they're at seven point seven point three three runs per game. Three three. They're just a hair off of our prediction of eight mm-hmm. runs a game. But they're working. It's still early. I really think that this Cardinals team is going to be able to hit the ball extremely well. They've done it so far in the first three games. Toronto is a team that you picked to be in the World Series, potentially mm-hmm. winning the World Series. That first game was a, was an interesting one. It was a a, high, a lot of hits, a lot of runs scored. Saturday was also an interesting one. Jack Flaherty taking a no hitter, but six runners on base, <laughs> five five or six yeah, seven, walks, seven walks, seven walks, a hit batter. It was very interesting to see that happen. But they they were able to come out of it with a win, and then to finish off the series yesterday. This team is doing a lot of things very very well. Um, pitching, I still want more from the pitching mm-hmm. staff. Obviously, I, we talked about Michaelis on on. Thursday, uh, Flaherty on flat Flaherty on Saturday, and then um, Montgomery yesterday. Still want more, you know, less hits. The, the, the guys are going to make contact, but I, less hits, more strikeouts, less walks. Yeah. That will make me feel a little bit better. And hopefully that starting pitching will kick in as we, we go along. I had a chance to make it over to Enterprise Center yesterday, and I was asking everybody that's around the club all the time, I said, do you think Jim Montgomery will just take his foot off the gas? You know, he's got the best <laughs> team in hockey, maybe the best team in, in hockey history. I said, you think when he gets it to be 5 nothing, 5-1 in the, in the second period that he'll just 
sit some guys, and they did sit some guys. They, they saw Zach uh, Krejci yesterday, and uh, the Blues didn't quit. After losing to the Predators 6-1 on Saturday, the Blues fell behind 3-0 to Boston yesterday. DeBrusque, Bertuzzi, and uh, Steen scoring goals. But back come the Blues in the second period. And then Steen's going to get cross-checked down by Saad. Drilled by Krug as well. And now the Blues break it in. Saad trying to split the D. Shoots it on. Rebound Krug. He scores. That's the one. And the Blues back within one. 10-13 to go. Here in the third period of play, it's 3-2. How about your Blues? Kairou had scored in the final minute of the second. Krug scoring at the 9.47 mark of the third. And then in the final minute of the third period... Shit, it's set up to the blue line. Krug with a quick shot. Deflected. Shen towards the goal. Allmark knocked it away. Kairou, he scores! Jordan Kairou! Redemption! 3-3 the score! 23.6 to go in the third period! And I got a text from a buddy who, uh, who just texted me. He said, can't they just lose? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, that, that's, that's very true. And they're eliminated officially yeah. also. So maybe at this point you don't need to. But, I mean, what about Jordan Cairo, his 36th goal of the season? Yeah. I I think that that is good progression in his way. But did you guys see him and Barubi kind of barking each other during that Predators game? It was interesting. And here's what Craig Barubi had to say about that exchange. For another game, that's between us. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. That's but, it? That was it? Yeah, oh. <laughs> but obviously, Bruby was not happy with with Jordan Kairou. So, he Kairou scores a couple yesterday. What do you think of this performance? Yeah, he had a solid game. I thought that he competed all game. You know, obviously scored a couple goals. Um, you know, he was solid all day. All, all day, yeah. As a coach, one of the most frustrating things is a talented player that can do all things on the court, on the ice, on the field, but just does not listen or or completely buy in to, to everything. Because it's like, yeah, well, I can't bench him. We're, we're, we're going to lose. In this case, obviously, you want to lose games. But in, in most instances, you don't want a guy to sit on the bench because they're so talented. Like like Antonio Brown. I remember when he when he had the, the, the cell phone live mm-hmm. incident after the game where the Steelers won and they were about to – We'll find we'll we'll punish him. We won't punish us. Is what Mike Tomlin said mm-hmm. because he's so talented. You got to keep him on the field. Kyrou he has a chance to score forty goals this year. He 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 five games left. He could potentially mm-hmm. get there. And I don't think anyone would have said that going into the season, uh, especially with the way it was going. Not going into the season, but midway through the season and having some miss some games. I think Baruby is is it, it, it's just frustrating if they're barking at one another. You know. I think it was after the first period, going off the ice, just it's not a good look because your best players have to be your most coachable players. They have to be the people that are listening, doing everything you say, even when they don't agree because everyone else around them is watching. And if you are a player that bucks back every time the coach says something, well, then that that third or fourth guy behind you is going to feel, you know, the ability to do the same thing and so it just becomes more frustrating as a coach when one of your best players you all have that kind of relationship I feel like there was even one point this season Vladimir Tarasenko and Jordan Cairo were barking at Craig Bruby as well mm-hmm. but I'm sure I, maybe this is just me guessing but with head coach Craig Bruby 
Jordan Cairo responding in that next game with two goals, I think that that he at least would be happy that, okay, if we're going to get in these spats, I don't want to see you hang your head and try to like, you know, hurt me and the team in this process. I want to see you respond. And that's what Cairo did, at least in the next game. And we don't question Jordan Cairo's physical abilities, but here, this is the fifth season that he's played now, and he's going to turn 25 on May 5th. Mm-hmm. I would hope that he would be, in terms of effort, more of a finished product right now. I mean, it's 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 maturity, it's mental ability, stability. It, it's the talent is obvious. Is everyone can see how talented he is? Mm-hmm. He skates fast, he shoots, he scores, he does all of the things that you want a, a hockey player to do. But the the grit, the toughness, the will to get back and, and play defense, those are the things that are lacking. And and. If you're if you're Craig Berube and you're trying to have your team play the best game you can play, your best players have to be bought in at all times. And 24, turning 25, is still a young man, but he's not young in this game right. in terms of being a veteran on the team. Once you're four or five years in, you are a vet. You are one of the guys that the rookies and the younger guys look up to. So again, if you're making those, if you have those lapses and not playing the entire game. You're going to have a young guy that is watching that and say, well, Jordan doesn't have to do it. Why exactly, do exactly, it? right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that becomes a problem throughout the entire team. Uh, let's touch on some of the other things. We've got the NCAA championship game, the men's championship game tonight here on 101 ESPN. Florida Atlantic fell to San Diego State on Saturday night, 72-71. Isaiah Butler with a buzzer beater at the end. UConn rolled Miami, 72-59. So you've got the Aztecs and the Huskies tonight here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game is at 5.30. The Women's Championship won by LSU yesterday. Kim Mulkey, Kramer Robertson's mom, with her first victory for LSU, their first victory. Caitlin Clark of Iowa in... Foul trouble early. The the officials were terrible in this game, and they really mm-hmm. took Iowa out of their game. And it was it was unfortunate because the the championship game should have the best officiating. And if if that was the best officiating that the NCAA women's had to offer, then that's a problem for the the entire setup. But congratulations to LSU and Kim Mulkey for winning the Battle Hawks. Winners over Houston, twenty four fifteen. That's a big win for the Battle Hawks. They're now five and two and second in the North Division. And, and Brooke Grimsley is celebrating today. I am. Yeah. I'm wearing my Kaka shirt from Arch Apparel. Good job. Kaka yeah. is you're, you're celebrating. I'm, I'm wearing my uh, my sunny day yellow for you guys. You oh, are. nice. Just wanted to, wanted, wanted to brighten up the room. All right. We're off and running here on this edition of the Opening Drive. Coming up, three things we love from the weekend here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, time for three things we loved about the weekend. And guys, I'm going to start on Saturday, on April Fool's Day, when your St. Louis Battlehawks released this official <laughs> statement that said, oh. following a vote from XFL owners, the Battlehawks have been officially approved to relocate to the greater Los Angeles area and will do so for the 2024 season. St. Louis is a city known for its incredibly hardworking, passionate, and proud people. Bringing the XFL back to St. Louis in 2023 will go down as one of the proudest moments in our league's history. This move isn't about whether we love St. Louis or its fans, but rather about what is in the best interest 
of the Battlehawks organization. That's a quote taken directly from the Rams announcement when they moved in 2015. Uh, we would like to thank the XFL, its owners, and all of Battlehawks Nation for their due diligence and dedication, and we look forward to building a world-class franchise in, in Inglewood. What a perfect April Fool's joke. I absolutely loved it. You loved that? I, there were people that <laughs> were <laughs> losing their minds. Not funny! No! What are you doing? Why would you do? Because it brought up so much trauma from what took place when the Rams wrote the exact same statement. Yeah. I just thought, I I thought it was funny too, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, I'm not going to look at the comments because yeah. I knew mm-hmm. that people were going to be so upset. And look, I understand that is, as you mentioned, Gary, a very traumatic thing it, that happened. Very, and mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't poke fun at no. that. But at the same time, I just knew, I was like, I'm going to log off. It was one of the, I saw that, I was like, I'm going to log off Twitter today. I'm not going to, not going to engage with this one. This seems like this is a very touchy subject. Probably the best idea. Yeah. Here is Kroenke's statement, by the way, from 2016. St. Louis is a city known for its incredibly hardworking, passionate, and proud people. Being part of the group that brought the NFL back to St. Louis in 1995 is one of the proudest moments of my professional career. Uh, so they, they literally plagiarized his <laughs> statement. I, I loved it. All right. Uh, you know what? We didn't even get the number three, but that was my number oh, three. Yeah. Let's, let's put number three in there. Number three. Okay. Uh, number three for me is just that even though the Blues were eliminated, eliminated from the playoffs this weekend, you still had strong support from the fans. Like 18,000 plus, I believe, were out there mm-hmm. yesterday for a Sunday game. I thought that that was really nice. It's Honestly, if you look at it, it's not great not making the playoffs, but the Blues really haven't not made the playoffs that many times in their entire franchise history. I just love seeing that how supportive the Blues fans were despite this season just not going in the way that you would want it to. My number three, actually, I saw you posted and you reposted it. It was Jack Flaherty's Joker video. Oh, yeah. It was a, it was yeah. a pretty cool video that he put together of himself kind of as the Joker and, and just saying, St. Louis, this is what you want. This is what you're preparing for. Went out, had a decent game. He, he, he hit a few people. I mean, he hit a person and walked a few people, but didn't allow a hit. I think he was trying to be a little bit too perfect yep. uh, and not, and, you know, and just, just really nitpicking and not really going after batters, which is why he walked a bunch of them. Especially in the first inning, right? Especially in the first inning. Um, being extremely careful. But all in all, a very good start to the season. And I think we're looking forward to seeing what Jack Flaherty is going to do for the rest of it. That was a really cool video. That like, was where very did that, cool. Uh, where did that video even come from? He's like, a great social media team. Yeah. yeah it was the the Joker. It was from, um which which bat- Batman movie was that? The, sure. Dark Knight. the Dark Knight. It was Knight. the Dark Knight. Yeah. Oh my God, that's my favorite yeah. one. I love that one yeah. so much. Number two. Guys, there are a few things in sports that make my heart go pitter-patter. And one of them is seeing Tiger Woods practice at Augusta. <laughs> and he's getting ready to play. And we're all going to get drawn in, aren't we? We're all, we're all going to go into Thursday saying, we're, we're going to say, okay, he's got he a chance to win. All of us are going to do that. It's just so cool for me to watch the GOAT, he is the greatest of all time, back out on the course against all odds and preparing to play in the Masters that starts Thursday. Is he one of the few athletes, I think Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, that every time they step out in, in their you know respective sport that you think they're going to win? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a, li- a list of very few. Yep. I think Mike Tyson was that way. When he stepped in yeah. the ring, you just knew he was going to win. It was going to be a knockout. But it's very, it's a very few, a limited number of athletes. When you see them in their sport, you're like, he's going to win this so or she's going to win. How do you react? I, I got like... 
2005, Tiger number 16, that incredible shot. Or Michael when he put up the 55 against the Knicks. Those moments where you, uh, here's what I do. I put my hand over my mouth and point at the TV and say, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Just sheer excitement. Like, oh, he did it again. (laughs) Well, my number two would just be that it was a beautiful Cardinals weekend. Just having baseball back, seeing the energy around town, the fan base, and then also this past weekend too where you had Nolan Arenado getting the platinum glove and then you had right beside him Brendan Donovan which I just think that there's so many like metaphorical things there just Donovan is going to be such a huge part of this Cardinals future Um, I just thought it was a fantastic weekend the offense looks great it was fun you had the Blue Jays in town as well and just seeing everybody so excited about having baseball back in town it I don't know it's it's just such a fun environment to be around Uh, My number two was the Final Four on the men's side. Just watching UConn continue to demolish their opponents. They didn't have – they they led that entire game. They won by 13. They are are just rolling through the tournament and having a great time doing it. And then you got San Diego State. You got uh, Lamont Butler hitting the the game-winning shot where he looked like, man, he's not even going to get a shot up Mm -hmm. and just, you know, crosses back over to his left hand, pulls up, and it is one of the most beautiful shots that you have seen in a basketball game to win a game in that fashion. It was just a a, a spectacular. We talked about it. Is it going to be as fun watching these games without the Blue Bloods, without the the teams that we know? And that was a a great game. Florida Atlantic was winning most of the game, and then for San Diego State to hit that game-winning shot, that was a pretty good time. That was beautiful. Number one. Okay, guys, for, for me, Brooke, you referenced the Blues fans not giving up. How about the Blues not giving up? There are a lot of franchises where when you trade an O'Reilly and a Tarasenko and a Barbashev and a Mikola, the coach can't keep the room and things spiral downward and you just wind up having a miserable stretch run. It says an awful lot for this group of players, but I think it says a lot particularly for Craig Berube to get the most out of them, that they just don't quit. Here you are going against the best team in the league yesterday. Back-to-backs, you'd been pummeled by Nashville the day before. The Blues are down 3 nothing, and they just won't quit. And I love the fact that we have this coach in this town, the, the, a coach that can get the absolute most out of whatever group he has. And, Brooke, before you became a part of the show, I told Kerry in December, there was a game in Philadelphia where I said, you know what, it's just the best they can play. They just aren't that good. And yesterday was the best the Blues can play. They outshot Boston. They they played them very well, but they lost the game. But Craig Berube, almost without fail, gets the most out of the group of players that he has. He really does. I mean, especially watching him when I came here during that 2018-19 run and the way that he was able to take things over and change the mindset. Mm -hmm. All the pieces and talent were there, but actually getting them to buy in into what his vision was and getting the best out of the players, I think, says a lot. And I think it says a lot about the players, too, because they could just say, you know what, we give up. You gave up on us. Mm-hmm. You traded away some key pieces. We're going to give up too. But you have Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. Their big paychecks kick in next season. So you want to see the best out of them. And also, too, you bring in these guys who are kind of trying out for big roles next season as well, too. So getting them to buy in, like, look, at least we're looking forward. We still see you as a vital part of the future as we try to build towards something else. Absolutely. Well, my number one thing would have to be 
Something that happened last night. I don't know if you guys saw this. I think it was on social media just a little yeah. bit. Oh, All man. the back and forth with Angel Reese <laughs> and Caitlin Clark. Oh, man. It got people heated. And mm-hmm. I do think we kind of talked about it earlier. Some of the calls, I think that created some tension as well between the teams. But Angel Reese kind of doing a John Cena moment. Yeah. And Caitlin Clark even pointing at the ring. Different things like that. Um I personally think any attention towards women's sports is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen men do that in plenty other. I can't tell you how many. I feel like we see it every weekend, right? <laughs> Players taunt each other. Why it got so much attention? I'm not exactly sure. I know that some people pointed out it's classless. So you're mm-hmm. already winning. I get that, but at the same time, like I feel like that's kind of how Kim Mulkey kind of like leads that team as like the villains, yeah. you know, in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think that Angel Reese just kind of played into that role. And it's all fun at the end, right? And it's a lot of attention towards women's sports, which right. I will always cheer on. Yeah, I, I for me, that was my number one thing as well. The NCAA tournament on the women's side, the Final Four was spectacular. You got uh, an Iowa team beating an undefeated South Carolina team yeah. where, that that had not lost a game in, in a year. They, they had just been rolling. They were the champions from last season coming into this season, coming into that game still undefeated. Uh, Iowa goes in and beats them. And then you get the championship game where you get LSU versus Iowa and it is record crowds. It is record drawing. It is the 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 most excitement that you've had in in women's basketball tournament in a, in it was th- it, that it was I can everywhere. ever remember because yeah. people were tuned in watching. You got Caitlin Clark who is killing everyone, one of the best players in college basketball, male or female. Yes. And then you got Angel Reese who is showing her, hey, we came as a team and we're going to do our thing. And it was it's unfortunate that 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 became the narrative because it was a good game for LSU. They won a national championship. They beat. Caitlin and by Cl- a Caitlin good Clark. margin, too. Yes, they they yeah. beat them pretty bad. And so that should be the narrative. That should be the thing that they that should be talked about. But obviously it's other things. And so just for the women's b- game of basketball, I think that was a spectacular weekend for everyone to be able to be a part of that and see that. Yeah. I mean, there's so much attention towards women's basketball mm-hmm. and all this. And rightfully so. It was great basketball. Yeah, it was fantastic. And in terms of gestures toward the opposition, uh, Carrie, I'll never forget. I was at Super Bowl 30. I was in the lower level, and I was at about the 20-yard line, and I can still see it right now. Deion Sanders, your guy, standing in midfield, pointing right at the scoreboard. Yeah. And there there's some Steelers around him, and you know, I Dallas would win the game. Stuff. And, that's, and that's his high-stepping. I mean, to me, that's part of the deal. It's it's unfortunate that somebody has to lose, but you should celebrate victory. Somebody has to lose. Yeah. And if you have – here's my thing. It, Caitlin Clark was talking all tournament, and 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 they were talking. She was talking. She was the best trash talker mm-hmm. until she. It's like on the playground. If you are the best, you go out, you beat everybody, you talk, and then somebody beats you, they talk. Yes, and you gotta walk away and not and and just shut up. That's sports, man. Like, I don't understand. I I I would bet <laughs> that most of these people have not played sports. They don't lace them up. It's classless. It's sports, man. It's sports. It's, it's a you mind game. Trash. Yeah. It's a mind game as well. Especially if the person that you're beating is the biggest trash talker. You talk worse to them because if if you're quiet, nobody says anything. Mm -hmm. They leave you the hell alone. But when you're doing all of the talking and then you lose, you're going to get it back three times the amount. So deal with it. It's part of the game. It's sports. 
why people are so caught up in oh, 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 oh anger, anger, rage. Man, <laughs> cut it out. But she had, but Angel had a great response as well. She she likes it. She likes that people are giving her attention for that because she just, I mean, either way, what does she have? A championship. There you go. Yep. Those are three things that we each loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Jack Flaherty went five no-hit innings on Saturday. But was he good? That's next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, envision, azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Off they go, the pitch. Caught on and missed. And the side is retired. Three and two for Brandon Belts. Swing and a miss. He went back to it, and it worked. Don't listen to us, Jack. Do your thing. Strike three. Pinch the outside corner. Beautiful pitch. Low stress inning for Jack Flaherty. The first inning wasn't a low stress inning for Jack Flaherty on Saturday. He wound up going five innings. He didn't allow a hit. He did walk seven and struck out four. One of the things that I found notable, Brooke and Kerry, is that he was getting first pitch strikes. As a matter of fact, he was 0-2 on multiple hitters and then would try to put him away mm-hmm. with that wicked slider but out of the zone. And the the Blue Jays are a really disciplined team, so they weren't chasing. The The issues of Jack's walks on Saturday, I don't think were overall an issue of command. I think that he's trying... The, the old adage in pitching is that you're trying to get people out on balls. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get Toronto out on balls. And that's just a team where... There are going to be teams where you're, Flaherty's going to be able to get them to chase. Yeah. And, and he'll strike out the third hitter. He'll strike out Guerrero rather than walking three in a row before he finally puts them away. This is not a team that you can do that with. You have to get them out within the strike zone. But here's the bottom line for me. Seven walks, unacceptable. He says that. But... You go five no-hit innings against the Toronto Blue Jays. You've done something. <laughs> you did. You've done something. Well, and also he generated eight swings and misses. And we've we've talked about that with the starting rotation, right, is that you need some of that swing and miss stuff. So I was, 
of course, you look at that ending, that final line, you're like, well, that's a little weird, right? I mean, <laughs> he did a lot of the things that you need him to do, but the walking, I mean, he even mentioned that as well. That's not something that you can do. But overall, I thought it was a very gritty performance from him because that could have gone one of a million different ways, right? A lot of them not good, but the way that he was able to, as he likes to say, I know that you saw the video CD as well where he says, don't panic. The way that he was able yeah. to respond yeah. in a mm-hmm. good way, I think says a lot. I do think, you know, one thing that I did find a little bit interesting was his velocity. I feel like that's something that concerned me a little bit um, at certain points, but you know, other than that, I thought that he was able to pull through. He was able to get what he needed to done. And then Drew Verhagen came coming in afterwards. That was mm-hmm. a great performance by him as well. So I I don't know. I don't think you can be too upset about it, but you can't have that happen all the time because I don't know if you no. can get out of all that situation as cleanly seven. as he did. Yeah, he was able to get out of it, but I think it was just him trying to be too perfect at times, trying to get that strikeout as opposed to uh, you know pitching the contact and, and trusting his defense. He was trying to make the, the, the splash play, so to speak, wanting to get the, the, the multiple strikeouts and unfortunately allowed the hitters back into the count and then put him on base. But as y'all said, he did not. As you all said, he did not. Um, it didn't cost him any runs, so he was able to get out of it in in that regard. But uh, it, it, you don't want, you can't have the the walks. The performance was was outstanding, mm-hmm. minus the walks. And again, it, it was just him trying to be too perfect right. in a moment, as opposed to going after him. And, and if they make contact, they make contact. And this is one of the things that's changed about the game philosophically. And I always this always bothered me about Michael Walker too. Is Get the guy 0-2 and kill him. Step mm-hmm. on his throat. And here's the way Jack went. Once he got the first two outs on Saturday, Guerrero, strike looking, foul ball, 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 foul, and then ball four. Varsho, strike looking, ball just out of the zone on the cutter, ball, ball, ball. So he walks the the fourth hitter and that you've got two on. Uh, then it's Matt Chapman. Strike looking, strike looking, ball, ball, foul ball, ball, ball. Just trying to be too fine with the slider trying to get him to chase. And then finally, when he got belt, it was a strike, then a ball, and then he goes 1-2 as uh, belt fouls one off, then ball, ball. It's a full count before he gets belt swinging. So sometimes you can just try to be too fine. Here's Ali Marmol on Flaherty's outing. He, he like To your point, he abandoned the fastball and kind of started a throw the slider a lot more um felt like he made an adjustment with just overall where just slot of his arm uh, a little lower and everything timed up from there where he started to be able to land the fastball and, and the breaking stuff so um it's it's one of those games where is it pretty no is it ideal absolutely not but do you appreciate it not snowballing his ability to keep us cool and make an adjustment absolutely I think this is also – I was watching the game Saturday, and it, it, not so much with Flaherty, but later on with, with uh, Hicks when he came up. This is where you miss Yachty. The pitch framing, yeah, right. not the, the ability to, to hold a pitch there and keep it there and have it look like a strike even when it's not. There was a couple of times where Kisner, it was a strike, and Kisner just – I, I don't know if it's, the ball is coming too fast. You're not able to get your glove there and hold it there, and it gives the, ump- the umpire a different impression of what it is. It, it, it to him, it looks like a ball, but it actually was a strike. So I think those are the times where you will miss a Yadier Molina because some of those pitches, even for Flaherty, probably could have been strikes if they were framed just a little bit better. And I love Jordan Hicks' stuff. But at this stage, with a three-batter minimum for a reliever, 
I can't bring him into a, a game where I have a three run or less lead. I just can't. No, he's a little, he's a little, he's a little erratic, just yeah. a little bit. But again, there were a couple of those pitches Saturday that were strikes, yeah, and right. the framing was not there, and therefore they were called balls. So you you have to it. You got to have both parts going and working if it's going to work well. Yeah, I, I agree. And also, we should mention that Wilson Contreras did return to mm-hmm. after that incident with Hicks, Hicks on opening day. So that was good to see as well. But, you know, I mentioned velocity with Flaherty. He hit like 94 multiple times in that first inning. And then he just kind of sat around 90 after that yeah. point. So that is what I was talking about with something just to monitor with him moving forward. Um, but, I mean, I am I agree with Ollie. The, you don't like to see the walking the guys, but the way that it didn't snowball when it could have, I think says a lot because we were concerned, right? We talked to John Mosellock about that, about going into the season. He had a 6.41 ERA from spring training. That's not something that you get too excited about with, <laughs> one, really with one of your top <laughs> top end starters going into the season. So I thought that overall, great response in Saturday's game. And it seemed like Jack is in a good place kind of mentally to be able to get himself out of that situation when a lot of other pitchers probably wouldn't be able to. And sometimes it's good for a pitcher. John Smoltz talks about this all the time. Good for a pitcher to give up some velocity to enhance command. Yes. yes. Because Hicks is a perfect example right now. He's still throwing as hard as he can. I wonder if he would give up a couple of miles an hour and go from 102 to 100 to throw strikes if he might be more effective and efficient. Yeah. Even if it was 98, that's yeah. still that's yep. still blazing. I, I think it's just you get enamored with the with the with the miles per hour with the clock yeah. with the with what with the radar what you're throwing and so now you're like oh I can throw it 104 I can go 105 mm-hmm. like you're trying to throw it but if you don't have the control over it or if your your catcher is not able to know where it's going to be and know how to frame it for you it's not going to be beneficial so you might be right you might need to take dial it back just a little bit you're still throwing hard as heck but have have the ability to have your catcher be able to help you frame and really, your emotions can go a lot of different ways. So here's what Jack Flaherty had to say about that. Getting frustrated is not going to do anything for anybody. And that's something that I've had to learn and figure out. You know, getting frustrated and showing emotion is not going to do anything for me. It's not going to do anything for the team. It's going to do something for the hitter. Um, I'm not going to pitch well when I'm frustrated. I'm not going to pitch well the more I let my emotions kind of take over me instead of just being there and focusing on the next pitch and, you know, finding some peace and um, being able to just continue to execute and like let that last pitch go and move on to the next one. Getting fresher doesn't do anything. That's that shows mental toughness because he said that he worked on that this offseason, right? Working on kind of his gestures. You know, there was times where he saw him when he didn't do well. He was very visibly frustrated, mm-hmm. right? And you would see that when he was on the mound, leaving the mound. And he said that he worked on that this offseason. John Denton with an article about that going into the season. And I, I think that that's huge. And you saw that payoff in this moment because here's the thing I never played at your level, CD, but if there's one thing I took away from my tennis days was when I was playing singles is if I looked visibly frustrated or if oh. I looked at the person as competition that they were doing something better than me I already lost yeah. I already lost the the moment you 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 allow your opponent to to see kind of a weakness in you or, or see that you're down on yourself that's when they start attacking you that's when they know okay there's nothing that this person can do that's going to be able to stop me in this moment I'm going to be able to have the best game because 
he or she is already out of their own game. And so I'm just going to play mine and we good to go. That's Carrie. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314 399 9646. That would be if you're using the letters on your phone 314 399 Yo-ho! Teoli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, and Matthew, get your text into the Ear Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646 for Take It or Leave It. All right, kids, last night, yes? Oh, you want to she do 314 I was ready. That might have been. She was ready. <laughs> she was ready. 314-399-9646. That would be 314-399. Yo-ho! There we go. Thank you, Brooke. <laughs> I get so nervous. All right, uh, kids, last night, I know, don't know if you saw, but uh, WrestleMania was held in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium, and The Miz lost. The mm. Miz lost to Pat McAfee who had an assist in his wrestling match with George Kittle, the 49ers tight end. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it, if George Kittle was participating in an event at SoFi Stadium, of course his team won. <laughs> oh, take oh, it. Oh, They're going to be the Rams. They're going to be whoever was playing. Take it or leave it. You didn't think Pat McAfee could do a flip off of the top rope. I will take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got nervous for him. What are we doing? That's awesome. That's great. Randy, we're still, speaking of football players, we're still waiting on one Lamar Jackson to, and we're waiting on both of them, Lamar and um, Aaron Rodgers to figure out where they're going to be at. Take it or leave it, the Miami Dolphins, with their quarterback issue, with Tua Tungvaloa having been injured, concussed multiple times last year, should be talking to Baltimore about the starting quarterback position. 100% take. I'm going to take that one, too. Yeah, they should be. It makes sense. If I am, here's the thing I know about concussions, because I've had a few. Mm-hmm. The more you have, the more they can come. And Tua mm-hmm. was knocked out. That was a – Randy, I don't know if you know this. When I played, we didn't consider that. When we got a little dinged, that was just like we got a little – we got birds, hey, we got stars. Yeah, we were okay. We didn't know that that was a real concussion. When you got knocked out to us, that was a real concussion. So when I say con- Tua had a real concussion, that's what I'm talking about. He had two real concussions where he was put to sleep and out of it. And so now – if you have that issue, there's going to be some some concern. There would be at least some concern for me uh, whether or not he would be able to play. And the Ravens and, and Miami should be having a conversation. Here's one of the problems that they have, though. There's only one team in the league with less cap space available than the, than the Dolphins. Can't figure something out. Yep, they've uh, Miami ha- uh, has two are making. Yeah, two million dollars. <laughs> two is on the minimum. That's the problem. Oh, he is. He's on his fifth year. He, well, he's he's they picked up his fifth year option, so it should be like twenty million. But he's, year, he's, right? I think this is going to be his fourth year, though. He they picked it up, but for it, next year. Yeah. Okay. 
take it or leave it, I would if I was Lamar Jackson, this is not actually my one, but you made me think if I was Lamar Jackson, I wouldn't want to go play with the Dolphins <laughs> after the way they handled that with oh, yeah, Tua. Yeah, putting right. him in those situations, and I'd be like, heck no, I'm yeah. not going to go play for a team that's going to let me get injured like that. All right, take it or leave it. Maybe I'm just a little too excited. Look, you guys know I'm the president CEO of the Lars Newt Bar mm-hmm. Fan Club. We are still going strong. Okay. But now we're also adding Brendan Donovan into oh. this. Maybe I'm just really high on Brendan Donovan and his performance this weekend. Take it or leave it. He will be a finalist for National League MVP. Wow. Brendan Donovan? Yes. Oh. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave that too. You got guys. two on the roster, on, on the team right now. Uh, two on two. See, and that that's our issue. As great as you he is have... or might be, and we talked about Walker, can he even be the MVP on his own team? Yeah. You can't have – it just – even if it's right, they're not. It's not going to be okay. They won't let it happen. I mean, the Cardinals would have to literally average eight runs a game <laughs> for them to have three MVP finals. Yeah. By the way, the team that's stupid to not be in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes is Atlanta. They have twenty-two million in cap space. Hey, they, know, they, they should were, be after him. They were in the sweepstakes when uh, they were after Deshaun Watson. They were last year. right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And how that plays out. Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, Matthew, what do you got on the old text line? Take your leave it. The Cardinals are winning 100 games this year. Hey, you got to take that. What do we say? They're going to oh, win two yeah. out of three? Yeah, I'll take it. I mean, I got them winning the World Series again. So it makes sense. Yeah, definitely. All right. Take your leave it. The Cardinals will be able to get any starting pitcher they want at the deadline with the bench they have. I'm going to leave that. I just don't think that they'll be able to go out and trade for Otani if they want him. Yeah, I mean, when you say any, that that would be <laughs> any available, maybe? any available ones that are on the market. Yeah, uh, I'll take that. Yeah, for teams, the, here's the problem: is that the teams that are going to be bad this year, the reason that they're going to be bad is that they don't have pitching, and so I don't know that. Like last year, the Reds had Castillo out there, and they they had um, Tyler Molly and some other guys. It's going to be really hard, I think, to find a bad team that has good pitching. I wish we could, but I don't know. Royals are going to be bad. Tigers are going to be bad. Uh, I don't think Miami's trading Alcantara. They're 1-3. I don't think they're going to be bad. Washington's not going to have anybody. Pittsburgh's not going to have anybody. It's going to be hard to find. Somebody's just going to have to have real injury problems. Maybe it's Maybe it's Philly. They've already lost Hoskins. They've already stopped negotiations with Aaron Nola. Maybe at the deadline, Aaron Nola becomes available. Harper, by the way, won't be back till midseason either. Mm. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals' offense is legit, and Shane Bieber and bullpen help should be Moe's only focus come July. Leave it. Because if you only have one focus, if you have a gotta have, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Bieber yes. would be a nice focus, a nice focus, but not the only focus. Hmm. I think Bieber would fit in perfectly. He'd be if great. there is if there is a situation where you get to work out, I think that he would fit in perfectly yeah, with I the agree. Cardinals. Uh, take it or leave it. The Cardinals' offense is definitely struggling without Jeff Albert's leadership. It's amazing how well these guys have improved in this offseason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll take it. So you do think that Jeff Albert uh, had something. Is that what you're saying? They were pretty darn... What were they, what were they, they ranked They were tied for year? third in runs per game last year. <laughs> yeah, it was like, pretty damn good. Like every metric they have, I think like was the worst. Like eight eight to you got to be, to, be to, to, to have your guys performing that well and just say, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. You know how, how frustrated you, 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 like you're sick of people. <laughs> when, when the air quotes here, BFIB are literally knocking on the door to your residence. That's right. a problem. Randy, let me tell you something. 
Don't knock on my door. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I'm going to pull I, you in. I know. <laughs> we, yeah. We're going to have a conversation so, inside. It ain't going to go well. Yeah. And you're going to go back outside yeah. and tell the resident, don't do not do it. Don't <laughs> knock on his door. I'm going to yeah. pull you <laughs> in. Yeah, you come on in. That, you know, yeah, you come inside. You're yeah. inside my house. Yeah. How we, you got in there, no, who knows? We have, we have great, passionate fans. <laughs> sometimes we're just a little bit overboard. Fair enough. Not we. Sometimes fair. sometimes some people are a little bit Speaking overboard. Speaking of which, take it or leave it. The Blues are back in the playoffs next year. Leave it. I'm going to take it. Mm, I like I'm it. I'm going to take it. I, where, I, where's your positivity coming from, Kerry? Uh, you know, I, I I mean, have you seen them play? They can score. They just need to get a couple of guys that's going to play well defensively. And hopefully the guys that are here make a decision. You know what's interesting? What's that? There is a thought process over there at the build at the rink that a lot of this could be solved systemically that the the players are not necessarily the the major issue here mm. Mm. so and, and they, that's coming from the blues building yes oh and so maybe maybe just some philosophical changes about the way they play defense will help them be more effective. You got to play defense mm-hmm. though. Yeah. To have a philosophical difference. I yeah. mean if you're if you're not playing is there really Right. And I, I I think there's a level of frustration with the the way that this particular group of defensemen and forwards plays because ultimately this team is going to be built with Craig Berube. His identity is going to be built on offensive zone possession time. And that's the biggest issue that they they, they deal with because people like I hate to pick on Jordan Cairo, but he's not a guy that really forechecks and maintains great puck position. The, the whole group. If you put any 12 Blues forwards together and Braden Chen isn't on the list, mm-hmm. they really have a great deal of difficulty doing what the team in 2019 did. Well, that's why I liked at times when they put Chinko up there with Robert Agreed. Thomas and Jordan Cairo because it finally brought some sort of physicality to that yes. line. And so maybe you just make adjustments like that. But... I, I mean, the thing is, is do you just hope that the defensive issues were just kind of a fluke this season? I know that they went through several different kind of, they went with one way at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season with the defensive scheme, and then they went back because obviously nothing <laughs> nothing was working. And so how do you get people back on the same page? And also special teams has to be addressed. You went yeah. from having some of the, like the best special teams when it comes to penalty kill, power play, mm-hmm. to some of the worst, their penalty kills been atrocious this season. Joe Micheletti told me one time that the best teaching technical coach he ever was around was Jim Montgomery. Yes. And the Blues lost that. That, and w- that, that was, was a, a really huge difference. Yep, underrated loss. And yesterday, Curbs and Joey were talking on their on our broadcast here on 101 ESPN about the one three one that the Kings run, the, the defensive system. I just think that there's there are tweaks that could be made within the talent that they have. And I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. I, I am a fan with access. I talk to people around the, the, the team and people that are smarter than I am. And it seems to me like the system can play a role in the improvement of the club. Yes, but the players still have to play they that do. system. And that no system, matter what right. the system is, if you don't want to do something... And at times, it doesn't look like they want to play defense. Right. You're not going to play it regardless of what the system is. And here's my thing, Kerry. That's why I say they were one of the best PKs in the league under Jim Montgomery last year with the yes. same group of guys. Well, then. Oh. And then it just, look at how quickly that shifted. Yeah, yeah. 
very quickly. Yeah, so, so I just wonder if that could be an issue. Uh, I sense that it is, and it's something that they that is fixable. Not that the talent is perfect, but I, I've seen a lot of hockey teams with not great talent that have succeeded because they play so well within a system. And we'll talk to, to Panger about that tomorrow, too. We'll we'll throw that out there. We're going to get Panger's master's pick, but we'll, we'll talk to Panger about whether or not systemically the Blues, from a schematic standpoint, can improve with the guys they have. That is Take It or Leave It. Thanks so much for your text. We do appreciate them. Brooke, Kerry, Randy, coming up on 101 ESPN. Should the Cardinals get some credit? Or no, that's not what we're talking about. We're uh, doing the old 8 o'clock, aren't we? We're uh, headed towards the 8. And, uh, yeah, the madness has spilled over into April. It's crazy. We've got the, the final game of the NCAA tournament tonight, and we're going to preview it for you here on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Six in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and on Saturday night, UConn was a five-and-a-half-point favorite. They were up by more than 20 at one point over Miami. They wound up winning 72-59. They covered. If you had a bet on UConn, I hope that you enjoyed the proceeds of your winnings, either uh, that night or, or yesterday. And Florida Atlantic, man, it looked like they were going to hang in with San Diego State, but Florida Atlantic, they had a 10-point lead too. And it looked to me, guys, like the, the, the Owls just ran out of gas. Yeah, they did. They, I mean, the San Diego State just kind of kept hunting them down and hunting them down and finally was able to hit a big shot at the end. It was interesting that they didn't call a timeout. I, I, I thought that, you know, the way that it was going and got the rebound with about seven seconds, eight seconds off the clock, eight seconds left on the clock. And, and to be able to go down there, Butler did, dribbled it. I thought he was going to just run out of time mm-hmm. because he was just dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. Like I said, made the crossover to the left hand and pulled up and made a heck of a jump shot. And, you know, when you're a head coach and you decide not to take a timeout and it works out, mm-hmm. you look like a genius. And if it doesn't, then everyone's questioning, why didn't you take a timeout? And and those are the things that come with being a head coach. You have to make that decision in that moment. And fortunately, his player uh, made the best shot and made the game made the game winning shot. Do you guys think this becomes one of the highlight shots now every year? 
year during March Madness. Oh, yeah. A, yes. a buzzer beater to put your team into the championship game. That'll yeah. be there there with Leitner and Bryce Drew and those other ones, yeah. right? One shining moment <laughs> yeah. when, this, when this season ends yeah. is going to be right up there. So, yeah, it, ha- cool. it has to be. I mean, it, I don't know. Did, <laughs> I would like to know if anybody, did anybody actually have these two, UConn and San Diego State, actually going up against each other? I can't imagine. There's that somebody no did. way, right? No. And also, I need you convincing. Had to both schools. Yeah, yeah. you had to. Have. Yes. Or maybe you. And those uh, are. <laughs> I mean, maybe how, how far away? Yeah. Like, can you get any further away There's in, no in way. college basketball yeah. between Joey California? The, our guy. They are. They are. Yeah. Yeah. So there was the one thing I've seen is the Ringer has a writer who let his five-year-old child fill out a bracket and this is the championship game they picked. Wow. But unless you There's have no, no knowledge of college Hopefully. basketball, you're not picking this. No. <laughs> I don't even see how a five-year-old would pick that because random, they like certain colors. random. Just 100% random. There's just no way. I Here's the other thing, though. I, to me, I think that this is going to be UConn easily winning this, They're right? They're a seven-point favorite and I think that's legit. I, I, I'm with you, Brooke. I think they cover. They yeah. haven't... They, they, the closest game they had was 12 points. Yeah. In this tournament, and, and they have been steamrolling. They look like—I I mean, who would have thought that? that? They look like the team, one of those teams that no one ever does this in the tournament. Just wins by ten plus points every single game, and they've done it the entire time. And again, I didn't expect it. I clearly didn't have them in my bracket to, to even be in the final four. Um, but they are just—they're just, just kind of steamrolling teams and playing well. And Dan Hurley, he was in the A10, so we saw a lot of Dan Hurley over the years. He's a really good coach, mm-hmm. and it's not a surprise to me. It's a surprise to me that they are here now, but it's not a surprise to me that Dan Hurley has a team in the championship game. Is it surprising yeah. you that their margin of victory is like 19 and a half points per yes, game? Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is that's the that's the interesting part. Yeah, I'm just rolling. Do now, you consider UConn a blue blood? Because I know that there's some people who kind of put them in and out. I mean, this they're going for their fifth national title since 1999. Yep. And I have is to. that blue blood status? I, I believe it is because you've done it now. This is your third coach, so it's a program. It's not just one guy or another guy that's on the coattails. Now it's clearly a program that mm-hmm. has big time potential to do this all the time. I I would uh, now because it's only since 1999. I can't put them in the classification of Duke, Carolina, UCLA, Kentucky, those. But in terms of current. Blue, like let's take 20, 21st century. Is that where we are right now? Yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, tw- <laughs> they're they're 21st century blue blood. I mean, is is UCLA still considered a blue blood? They haven't won since '95. Yeah, but all that tradition. Yeah, they mean, haven't won since '95. But if they're in the champion, it was in the yeah. '70s. Yeah, but you, still, you say, oh, it's everybody knows UCLA. Right. Everybody knows UCLA as a basketball power. Even even kids know UCLA as a basketball power, even though they haven't won. They're still a blue blood. Well, I think once you're a blue blood, you don't lose it. You don't lose it. Yeah. Never goes away. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like Texas football. That's great. Right? They're blue blood. They're, they're blue. Even though they're great, they're still a blue blood. Well, the Archie Manning era is coming yeah. up here soon, yeah. so that's encouraging yeah. for them, I guess. Yep. And then we need to touch on the women because the yesterday the, the championship game yesterday was great. LSU, Kim Mulkey, father of Cardinals infielder Kramer Robertson. Mother, yes. Mother, I'm sorry. Yes, not father. Yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was mean. Uh, but she comes over from Baylor a couple of years ago because LSU spends tons of money on coaches, and she's as good as it gets right now. I, I didn't realize it was LSU. 
LSU's first championship, but she did a she's done a fantastic job in building that program. And I love the attire, by the way. I don't know why people complain about her. What do you think as a as a female, Brooke? What do you think of what she wears on the sidelines? I think that's what they do in women's basketball. It was I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything shocking about it. I thought it was really cute too. She had one outfit. It was like a match matching outfit with uh, her granddaughter. Did you guys see that the pink I didn't like see jacket that one. and it has like flowers? And she had one made for her granddaughter as well, like a little pink dress for her to wear. So I thought that was really cute. I feel like that's just something that women's basketball does. And also LSU on TikTok, TikTok, which all the kids are on and me as mm-hmm. well for some reason. Um, <laughs> I keep coming across their videos where where they talk about the attire that the LSU's women's basketball staff wears. And I'm telling you, they they dress really well. I think that mm-hmm. that's just what you kind of do in women's basketball. I think it's great. I love it. And uh, congratulations to Iowa, Caitlin Clark, uh, with an unbelievable tournament, 191 points, total points in the tournament. That's a record. Back-to-back 40-point games to get to the final. And Caitlin Clark is going to be a star in the, the WNBA. So congrats to her. Yes. I'm happy for all of them. It's just, uh, for me, I think it gave a a... And a view to what women's basketball is. They they played. They had an outstanding tournament. Um, you had names. You got to see athletes. You got to see yes. personalities. And that's the most important thing. It's unfortunate that that you have idiots on Twitter and on text lines that say ignorant things about certain people because that's how they feel. It's classless. It's this. It's that. It's sports. And I don't know if it's because it's black and white. I don't know if it's because it's male, female. I don't know what the issue is, but it's sports. It doesn't matter what it is. They're competing. They're having fun. They're having a good time. And in sports, you talk a little crap. Yep. It yes. happens. If you, if, 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 what's his name? David Portnoy? Is that, 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 that was the guy's name? Yeah, yeah. Dave Portnoy uh, of Barstool. From, from Barstool Sports. I, I guarantee you he's never put on an NFL uniform and been at the bottom of a pile. No. That's classless. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the things see, that take place in that pile are classless. And it's, it's, it's whose ox is being gored at a particular time. The greatest show on turf would get all 45 guys on game day before the game and go out and jump on the other team's logo at midfield. And we were Rams fans and we loved there it. There you go. It happens in Pittsburgh to your team. You're a player. What are you thinking? Not happening. Not we, got happen- a, we got a problem. There you go. Warren Sapp used to kick over the pylons when he ran out into the onto the field. Just because. Why not? Yeah, the yeah. hell with your pylons. I don't give a damn. Somebody will pick it up yeah. and not me. So uh, it, It's it's sports. Little. Uh, l- let's have a little uh, inter- uh, opening drive battle. Who was was it? Uh, a white Lendale White that took the terrible towel. Oh yeah. Okay. Titans yeah. fan Steeler. Yeah. And Lendale White he stepped on he the terrible stepped towel. Stepped on the terrible towel. Terrible <laughs> decision. Loved it, right, Brooke? Yes. 100%. Terrible decision. <laughs> terrible decision by Lendale White. And and it was a it was another. I think it was a DB. Him and the maybe it might have been Keith Bullock. It was someone else that was doing it with him. Those, those were. It was it was a terrible decision, <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah, I'm sure because <laughs> I vividly remember it as well. And, and, I do, and I do too, because we had just lost to them, and he got a terrible towel, and he stomped on it, and then they didn't make it to the to the second round of the playoffs. And, and the, look, <laughs> all, the, what do the they NFC say? All all attention is good attention, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it brought so much attention to women's basketball this weekend, to great talent as well. And look, you also have to commend Caitlin Clark on her response as well. I mean, they didn't, it's not like they like battled it out or anything like that. 
Um, Because there was also videos of Clark doing the same thing to other players in the the past. But afterwards, Clark, when she was asked about it, she said that she was just, she didn't even notice. She was more focused on spending her final moments with her teammates. And with Angel Reese, I felt like that's just how LSU is played. If you haven't watched them like all season, you would know they would, they play with that edge. They kind of have that villain mentality going into things. And it's just either way brings a lot of attention to what really was a great women's basketball tournament. Yeah, I just I just despise all of the comments that came out after that because of when I I, I listen to um, um, those young ladies talk and the 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 way that they spoke. I listen to Angel Reese. I listen to um, uh, Alexis Morris. I listen to how they spoke. They were so well spoken for for college athletes. I don't give a like. They are are well spoken athletes. We've talked to some professional athletes, and it's hard to to pull out conversations. They were well spoken. They were able to have conversations and do interviews, and they did a fantastic job of winning a national championship. And no one, not even Dave David Portnoy, can take that. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Not even him. Yes. can take that away from them. No, no, not at all. And honestly, I when I saw it happen, I was just kind of like, okay. And I wasn't expecting all that stuff on social media because oh, I feel I like I see it all the time mm-hmm. in sports. Right, right, is yeah. it just because my first thought was, is this people overreacting because they don't expect females to act in that's this way? That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, I'm that's sure that's part, part of, of it. it. No doubt. That's uh, Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. And that is today's Fresh Take. Coming up, Curbs on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Grimsley and Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Good to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The Blues are back in action tomorrow night, taking on the Flyers at Enterprise Center. The voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, joins us now as he does every Monday morning here on 101 ESPN. Curbs, good morning. How are you doing? Randy, doing good. How are you? Everything's great. Good to see you yesterday. And I got to ask you a question because, as you know, we have Joe Vitale on on Friday. And I need to get your perspective of the day and the night with the uh, rattlesnake moonshine. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, that was. Chaser got us some wild stuff that night, man. Um, we had, like, well, first off, like, you know, at, at that point in time, keep in mind, I think, I, I want to think that that was, that was Joey's first year in the booth, right? I think so, it was, yes. Yeah, I mean, here's this well-conditioned athlete that was only a couple years, a year or so after playing, you know, his career ended because of that injury. So he was dealing with, you know, the concussions and and all the stuff that goes with that. So I don't think he was quite seasoned to the road factor of being a broadcaster, especially, uh, you know, especially uh, down in Nashville where (laughs) Kelly Chase has a couple of clubs that he had found and, you know, had moved to and stuff. So. Yeah, we had this great night, great dinner, great tour. The company was outstanding. He goes, you got to try this. And if, you, and if you took a shot of it, you signed your name on the wall. So I'm like, well, anytime you can sign your name on the wall, that's worth doing something stupid. So the uh, <laughs> we, we took it. And it, it 
the story was this stuff was made somewhere else, but then this club made their own. So, like, this might, I'm not sure if this doesn't go down in the annals of one of the stupid things because you're like, oh, man, did they drain the snake or something? Did they, like, but you, what the heck? I mean, in this thing, but literally in the bottom, like a little big, like a rattlesnake in the bottom of this glass of booze. And, yeah, it was potent, man. You were, like, singing with the coyotes at some point in time later on that night. Like, I mean, country music sounded, you know, it, it, it might as well just been Iron Maiden on the stage of Tootsie's for a while there. And, oh, uh, no. And yeah. what, what Joey made the point, he said that you had just a stellar broadcast. You didn't miss a beat. But when you when you turn to Joey and say, what, what do you think? Every response, every analysis that day was, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. You know what? Like, I, I felt like I, I felt like Harry Doyle working with his color partner there for the Cleveland Indians. You know, you know, they don't call him the best color man in the league. See, but but see, Joey didn't have a mentor of Kelly Chase for eighteen years like I did. So you know, listen, we had we had two other games that just absolutely stand out. One was one was in Los Angeles, and I. I I still have the audio of this, so I, I ought to get it to you and have some fun. But this one was pretty epic. You know, you know our good buddy Jimmy Hewer, who's uh, yep. just been a long time, you know, engineer and, and producer in this in this business, and just one of the greatest men that you're ever going to meet. Uh, <laughs> we had a night in Los Angeles, like on a Friday night. It might have been a Saturday night, and then the next game day, it was like a one o'clock game, right? So for the guys that work the truck, they're showing up at like six in the morning. Well, at the hotel we stayed at, they were serving a they served a drink called Margarita Martinis. It's it's the old Biltmore Hotel, famous hotel in downtown Los Angeles, mm-hmm. right? They hold they held Oscars and everything there. Um, wild hotel, I mean, great hotel is what I mean by that. So uh, they were serving these Margarita Martinis with Cuervo Gold, and dude, this was one of those weird Saturday nights where nights where like even Ken Wilson was you know like like we had Jimmy Hewer, Ken Wilson. Uh, if anybody that was part of anybody that was part of this group was 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 drinking these things with us, so there was not a soul on the entire media broadcast TV truck side that by the time you got to the rink the next day and had to work that you still weren't feeling it. I mean, and so Chaser and I are going back and forth and we're trying to read these ads and these are ads that you've read every you know for years, right? You know, tonight's game brought to you by Bud Light. You know, cool, refreshing Bud Light, and you go. Tonight's game brought to you by, and then he just stopped. And, he, and I'd be like, brought to you by who? And he goes, who what? And I'm like, like you stopped and you said the game's brought to you by. So, so then at one point I have to read this on ad. And I go, well, the Blues are back home, you know, for a game against the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, make sure to get your tickets. If you need tickets, dial 1-800 or, or dial, a, what was it? Uh, 622. I forget the Say yeah, six two two blue. I go, you go, you go uh, dial three one four six two two, and I go. Well, here comes such and such with the puck and two sorts of things. Six two two what? And I went, what? He goes, what's the rest of the number? I go, what number? <laughs> and, and then, but then, then the, this is the one that, that put it over the top. Like at one point, he's laughing so hard. Jimmy Hewer pulls our mics down. There's two minutes of just pucks going up and down the ice. And, and I, I just had to throw it to a break. So I go, anybody that knows a number for hooked on phonics, call us. Because we got no shot up here. But, 
at one point, so this this is the one where just everything fell off the rails. He's like, well, Toys for Tots Drive coming up next week at, uh, at, at I think it might have been Savas at that point, at Savas Center. Uh, he goes, uh, don't forget, bringing unwrapped toys. Uh, we uh, try to collect as many toys as we can for the Marine Corps. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, that's, no. that's core. He goes, that's, that's corpse. I go, we don't want those with Marines. It's core. You don't say the P. You know, it's, uh, it, and, <laughs> I mean, at that point, we're like, you know what? Hell with it, Jimmy. You read the ad. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. amazing. Well, All right, let's and, that one, and that and that one did not. That one did not entail, entail anything with rattlesnake juice. So there, there was nothing involved with that. Well, I, I guess I'm going to kind of segue into. We saw this weekend. We were talking about this er, earlier. Do Maybe there was some rattlesnake <laughs> venom or something involved. But we saw that Baruby and Jordan Cairo were kind of barking each other a little bit during that Preds game. What do you make? of that you know what they, well one you've got a fiery coach that demands a lot of his players and i don't think any player should have a problem with. you know craig baruby is an honest coach uh he, he he just asked for an honest effort and it wasn't just jordan Kyra in that nashville game but you can get an honest effort from a lot of guys and there there were a couple of plays in, in sequence there where jordan Kyra just didn't appear just ready to go like ready to the play and, and and I know it sounds hard. Like how is that possible with an athlete? But he gets the pass from Kappen, and maybe the puck was bouncing, whatever. But it just it, it seemed to surprise him that that puck was coming back to him, and and then that led to the shorthanded goal. And then on the play that led to the sequence you're talking about, Brooke, Brown gets Kyra the puck right in front of the net, and he couldn't get the handle on it. And then instead of just stopping on the puck to fight for it, he drifted back, and the Predators put it to the goalie. And that's pretty much the end of the period. So the TV cameras, of course, caught the exchange. I thought both uh, both Kyra and Joy and Craig Berube handled it properly afterwards. Yeah, that stays in the room, just heated stuff. We asked Craig Berube yesterday, you know, well, like, do you say, what do you, do you say to him? He goes, oh, we're going to talk. He goes, we're not going to talk about the bench exchange. Uh, but we're going to talk about what I expect in terms of the play on the ice. And I'm like, man, that's just the perfect way to handle that. Craig Berube, if he barks, he, he it doesn't bother him at times if a player barks back. He doesn't mind the fire in the belly. And I'm not saying it should be disrespectful or anything like that, but he understands the heat of the moment. That, that's how just honest this this coach is, this, this former player that played a such a tough role is. And, and I think it's fine. And, and I got to tell you, I thought Jordan Cairo was terrific yesterday. I, I think he responded well. I think he probably looked in the mirror and said, I got to be better. I thought Braden Shen yesterday, you know, led with the, the veteran, you know, step upness that if I just think I just made that word up, but he just, <laughs> he just led with that, 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 that was, that's been desperately needed, needed for this team. And uh, so I, I think what you make of it, Brooke, big picture is this. You have a highly skilled player. He's only the fourth St. Louis Blue in the last 26 years to put up back-to-back 70-point seasons. The other three were Vladimir Tarasenko, Pavel Dimitra, and Brett Hall. Wow! All right. I mean, I mean, so the, yeah, and, and so and, and and Pavel Dimitra did it twice actually, but but like I said, fourth different blue. I, I think in the end. But like to me, sometimes you're like, if you're Jordan Kyra, you got to be like that kid in the house, you know, where you're like, okay, you're, you're tired of mom and dad yelling at you. Okay, well, at some point in time, just decide to pick up your room for no other reason than you're just tired of them yelling at you, right? <laughs> okay, if you're Jordan Cairo, I don't care if you want to make the move with the blue line. 
know the time of the game and just put it deep. Like at some point you almost want them to sit there and go in on a breakaway and just dump it into the corner, right? Just so you get the message. But but the point is, is like just go in and, uh, and, and understand the moments. And, and there hasn't been – there's been some really good moments – when you talk to Craig Berube, you know, like, like Jordan, he'll talk about, look, he's, he's playing hard. He's playing a lot harder than he did last year in certain things. He's doing the, the, This is a growth process. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just at some point, these, these two are going to have to think, continue to figure each other out and find where that, that, that perfect ground is for the two of them. And I honestly think they're still in the process of doing that. Curbs, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in tomorrow night. Good to see you yesterday, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, I just stick to the simple worm in the bottom of a bottle of tea, fellas. And ladies, sorry, bro. Because yes. that's the yeah, that like the simple worm in the tequila. That's proven. When you start to see snakes in a bottle, just <laughs> walk away. <laughs> well, or make sure the sharpie on the wall is good. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Curb. See you later. Week. All right, bye bye. You too. That's the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis joined by Brooke Grimsley and it is time for the fight and our fighter today is Keith going for his Hall of Fame shot. Keith, how are you feeling today? I am feeling well, thank you. Good morning to you and Brooke. Good morning. Good morning. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Uh, sir, I am. I want to say it's just an honor to face Randy a third time. Alright, here Doesn't we go. Doesn't happen very often. Indeed. <laughs> The Sacramento Kings recently broke a playoff drought in the American Big Four sports, ending a 16-year drought. Which NFL team now holds the top spot with 12 years without a playoff without a playoff berth? Is it the New York Jets, the Houston Texans, or the Oakland Raiders? It's not like you cut out there, Keith. What was that answer again? New York Jets. Thursday featured just the third ever Cardinals opening day lineup with a DH. To start the 2020 season, who was the first ever Cardinal to start opening day in the DH spot? Is it Tyler O'Neill, Paul DeYoung, or Matt Carpenter? Matt Carpenter. Final answer. On this day in 2019, 20... And on this day in 2019, Russell Westbrook had the second ever 2020 game in NBA history. Who was the only other player to tally 20 points, 20 rebounds, and 20 assists in a game? Wilt Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor, or Oscar Robinson? Oscar Robinson. Oscar Robinson. Yes, sir. The winningest coach in NBA history, Greg Popovich, will be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in the 2023 class. What was the only other NBA team for that Pop has coached as an assistant from 1992 to 94? Is it the Houston Rockets, Dallas Mavericks, or Golden State Warriors? 
One more time, Brooke. I'm sorry. The winningest coach in NBA history, Greg Popovich, will be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in the 2023 class. What was the only other NBA team Pop has coached as an assistant for from 1992 to 94? Is it the Houston Rockets, Dallas Mavericks, or the Golden State Warriors? I believe it was the Golden State Warriors. All right, we'll double check our scores and bring in Randy Carricker. How you feeling, Keith? Uh, not too good, thanks. Not too good. Not you. You've done pretty well. You don't feel good. Uh, not based on those uh, answers. I'm not. No. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. Randy Carricker is in the building, and he is ready to take on you for a potential Hall of Fame. Uh, Berth, Randy, are you ready? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. See All right, you. here we go, okay. Randy. Okay. The Sacramento Kings recently broke the longest drought in American Big Four sport, American Big Four sports, ending a 16-year drought, mm-hmm. which NFL team now holds the top spot with 12 years straight without a playoff berth. 12 years in a row without the playoffs. So that would mean that the last time they made the playoffs was 2011. Um. It would not be from the AFC North. It would not be from the AFC South because the Colts were in just a couple of years ago. Texans were in more recently than 12. Titans have been in, obviously. Chiefs Chargers have been in. Um, Broncos Raiders have been in in the last 12. Um, so let's look at the East Patriots Dolphins. They were in this year. Um, Bills. Jets. The Jets under Rex Ryan. 2011 seems like a good number there. So I will go with the New York football Jets. Thursday featured just the third ever Cardinals opening day lineup with a DH. To start the 2020 season, who was the first ever Cardinal to start opening day in the DH spot? 2020. 2020. So, 21, 22, 23. Um, DH on that day was probably not that good. It seems like it should have been Matt Carpenter on that July day. I will go with Marp. All right. On this day in 2019, Russell Westbrook had the second ever 2020-20 game in NBA history. Was the only other player to tally 20 points, 20 rebounds, and 20 assists in a game. Uh, CD, I'm going to do the lifeline on this one. Will Chamberlain? Elgin Baylor or Oscar Robertson? Oscar's just too obvious. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Elgin Baylor. The winningest coach in NBA history, Greg Popovich, will be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in the 2023 class. What was the only other NBA team Pop has coached as an assistant for from 1992 to 94? Pop was an assistant from 92 to 94. Huh. I didn't even know that. Um, So I'm just going to have to wing it here. 
and I will go with 92 to 94. I'm going to say he was good, and I'm going to go with the Houston Rockets. All right, we have a winner of today's fight. Keith came in over the weekend, always tough when you have the weekend between your second and third. Is he the first ever Hall of Famer in the last 14 months of the show? Or does Randy Carricker continue to roll on? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town, why shop anywhere else? There it is. Finally, our long national nightmare is over. We have a Hall of Famer entering. It's been 15 months right now. Not not a single person ever ever beat Randy or my questions three days in a row. Congratulations, Keith. You are entering the Fight Hall of Fame with a 3-2 win over Randy Carricker today in your third bout. Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I'll start working on my acceptance speech. <laughs> We're banging the drums for you, Chris. And you know the I mean, rules Keith, tomorrow, which are fun. <laughs> yes, the, yeah, the rules tomorrow, of course, Keith, which are you're playing against Randy and no options for anybody. You get one question. Everyone's got to play Randy rules. There you go. All right, guys. Thank you. Hey, quick shout-out to my son-in-law, Chris, who works for Soliga. Heating and cooling. All right. All right. Congratulations. That's pretty awesome. Thank Good you. Job. Thank you. Good job. Let's go through those answers really quickly. Uh, the Sacramento Kings recently broke the longest playoff drought in the American Big Four sports. There was a 16-year drought. It is now in the New York Jets with the 12-year record. Thursday featured just the third ever Cardinals opening day lineup with the DH, of course, the 2020 season because it was odd. It was Matt Carpenter who started that late July day, or that early July day, I should say. On this day in 2019, Russell Westbrook with the second ever 2020 game in honor of Nipsey Hussle. And the only other player to do that was Wilt Chamberlain, who put up 20-20-20 and 20 in his last season in Philadelphia. And the winningest coach in NBA history, Greg Popovich, will be inducted this year. The only other team he's coached in his NBA career, he was an assistant with the Golden State Warriors, 1992-1994. to So a win for Keith, 3-2 today in the fight. The Good Rockets, job, Keith. Rockets were on the list, though. They were, they were oh, one were they? of the options, yeah. Yep. I figured that because they, yeah. they won in 94. Yeah. I, I figured that that would be because he, he was good. Uh, so good job by Keith. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, the Cardinals youngsters and the Cardinals left-handed bats are really off to a good start. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One, two, three, four. Swing and a drive, hammer deep right field. Springer will turn, lead off home run. He takes a mighty cut. With Merrifield drifting back, look at that ball carry. That ball is gone. Back to back to start the game. Chip Carey the call on Valley Sports, Alec Burleson. Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, all with home runs. And guys, early on, the young Cardinal hitters are rolling. And for all of the disdain that people had last year for Jeff Albert, it appears as if Turner Ward has the young players, after one series, performing at a high level. And obviously, it's the smallest of sample sizes. We can't count on this. But Brendan Donovan is 5 for 14 with two homers and four RBIs. He's hitting 357. He's slashing 357, 333, 786. 
Jordan Walker off to a good start, four for 12 with a double and a couple of RBIs. Uh, his on base is 385 and his slug is 417. And then you've got Nolan Gorman who's already hitting 444. Two homers, six RBIs, and an OPS of 1.111. So you really have to be excited about where the young Cardinal hitters are. And the the big thing that I see so far, and they're all big, but Brendan Donovan able to sustain what he did last year and then enhance what he did last year, got on base 39% of the time last year, 394 on base. Now he's doing it with even more power than he had last year. And Nolan Gorman making the adjustments that the Cardinals suggested during the offseason. I was talking to Mo last week about how the Cardinals approach players for their offseason in their exit meetings. I said, is it, is it written out for them or do you tell them what goes on? He said, yeah, it's all written out. And then we have interaction throughout the course of the offseason, whether it's via Zoom, some video, and track man so that mm-hmm. they can actually do what we suggested they do, and then they see the results of what we suggested. So here's Nolan Gorman getting a written objective sheet at the end of the season, going into his cage in Arizona. I guess he's from Arizona, right? And he's got the track man set up. He's got all of the analytics and all of the, the video set up. And he's actually seeing the product of what the Cardinals suggested and comes into spring training and the regular season and everything that was suggested is working. Yes. I, and you're seeing it. You're seeing it pay off. I even mentioned Thursday when we all went to that um, opener is, wow, Brennan Donovan also looks a lot bigger too, mm-hmm. a lot more muscular. You can tell he did that, which is obviously paying off. He had five home runs in his rookie season last year. He already has two this weekend. Did he, hit, did he hit five or four in spring training too? Yeah, yeah. It was five and in spring he's, training. So he's adding to his power. I also think this is interesting. I wonder how much this factors into players improving because Paul Goldschmidt did this and he credited it for his MVP season. You had Nolan Arenado go to this place as well. The baseball performance lab down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's on the Marucci campus, I believe. Mm-hmm. I did a story on them. If people want to go to my YouTube channel, you can see it's called Baseball Performance Lab. A lot of these Cardinals players have started to go there and it's basically like you know how you get your golf clubs fitted for you basically in a lot of ways and (laughs) so you find the right technology and stuff they do the same thing now with baseball bats so they will look at your swing they will analyze it and basically kind of have a customized bat that will work best for you and kind of analyze maybe what you need to work on and stuff and a lot of the players are going there during the offseason and even at times during the season when they have breaks like the all-star break and seeing what they need to work on or improve on and even get some new bats while they're down there and I'm wondering if that is something that is paying off if I'm the Cardinals I'm saying you have to go down there and get something worked out because if Paul Goldschmidt quite Mm -hmm. literally says during his MVP speech that that was a huge reason for his success Mm -hmm. then I think that about every single Cardinals hitter needs to go down there. Yeah, it's amazing that, you know, you get information as a player from the from the coaching staff, from management. They tell you all of the things that you need to work on and then you actually work on it and and it and you see the benefits of it. It it's it's one of the things that if you want to be a professional athlete and you want to stay, it's hard to make it there. It's harder to stay there. If you want to stay there, taking the advice of, of of the coaches, of management, telling you the things that you need to work on and going and get it done. And you're seeing Gorman, you know, reaping those benefits. He's having a, a fantastic start to the season. Jordan Walker, we kind of expected that from him because, you know, he's he's kind of he's the guy. He's the next mm-hmm. one to come up. Um, but what Brendan Donovan is doing, I think, to what Brooke has said, that's probably the most surprising, the power, the ability to hit the ball out of the park. And he's not playing poorly defensively either. He, he's he's doing a pretty good mm-hmm. job. And I guess the question, it came up on the text line earlier, so I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of that. If 
Tyler, if if Donovan is playing this well, and Edmund, eh, he's okay, but he's not as wonderful as you want him to be in, in terms of hitting right now. If Mason Wynn were to come up, who's playing? Because you know Mason is going to play, right? And, yeah, there, and, there, and, there, and there are no injuries. So is 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 Ed, is Edmund moved over to second base, or do you keep Donovan there because he has this hot bat and he's playing so well? I'm finding a place for Brendan Donovan, and I'm finding a place for Tommy Edmund. But you can't put him at DH because now you got Gorman playing well. That's a good problem to have. It I, it's not. <laughs> we're not complaining, but no. it's just something to think about if it were to continue in this route. And here's the way I, I would do it because Brendan Donovan won a Gold Glove as a utility player last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you think, okay, during the course of the season. Goldie takes 22 games off. Arnauto takes 22 games off, right? Okay. It's 44 there's 40, starts. There's right 44 there. for Brendan Donovan. Uh, Jordan Walker takes 22 games off. The right fielder, whoever it might be, takes 22 games off. All of a sudden, we're up to 88 games yeah. for Brendan Donovan. And he can he could do it at short. He can do it at second. You just move him around gotcha. and, and get him his at-bats on days that other guys need to take a rest. He's got uh, on his bag that says Donnie Baseball, he's got mm-hmm. five gloves. <laughs> so he can do it. And that's what the Cardinals envision for him. And you can you can find at-bats. There's going to be somebody who's going to miss out on at-bats. looks like right now Dylan Carlson might be that guy. Yeah, Somebody's going to miss out on at-bats. Yeah. But... Brendan Donovan's not a guy that you have miss out on at bats. You know, two other things that stuck out to me. One, kind of talking about Donovan and Nolan Gorman, a lot of hard contact, too, that we saw this weekend. Mm -hmm. That's encouraging. Also, I think that we need to talk about Alec Burleson. That was a player that we we all talked about. Um, We were surprised he made the opening day roster, but then he went three for four with a home run and two doubles and two RBI in Sunday's victory. And it kind of makes sense. And he had consecutive starts in left field as well. He looked really good. Yeah, he he looked fantastic. And you have to think that he's going to get more opportunities. It really is interesting. Uh, Gorman leads this team in OPS. It's three games, right? 1.726. In third in OPS on this team is Alec Burleson at 1.375, Goldie fourth, Contreras fifth, Donovan sixth, 1.119. Second in OPS on the team, but only four plate appearances, is Dylan Carlson, who's three for four. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, but, and, and we just said, he's probably the guy that's going to miss out on, on at-bats. You've got a really talented player that has ability that's going to miss out on at-bats. Yeah, that that's the that's the position that you're in depth wise. Yeah. But it seems like at least just listening to some of the sound this weekend, it seems the Cardinals are excited about that. How could you not be? You have so many guys who are vying for at bats, vying for more opportunities, and it that only breeds this where you have really good offenses because everybody wants yep. their chance and they want to really solidify their their spot and show that they deserve to have this job and they know one day off somebody's going to be ready to take it and guys every single cardinal outfielder can play center field and the most sought after position spot right now in baseball is a center fielder that can hit there are just so few of the and obviously catcher is a there's a dearth of quality catchers but in baseball most teams i mean the yankees are playing isaiah uh kiner falefa in center because Bader is hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, whenever we talk to our friend Craig Mish, when, when he would talk about what the Marlins are looking for, if they were going to give up a pitcher, he says, well, they, they need a, a two-way center fielder, a center fielder that can hit. Uh, you look around now, Tampa doesn't have one. The Yankees don't have one. Uh, 
I don't think the Red Sox really have one. Toronto does. Baltimore does. But if you look around all of baseball, I'd say less than half the teams have a center fielder that can hit. So if the Cardinals want to make that move for a pitcher down the road, they're going to have the assets to go out and get that guy. And even look at the situation this weekend, too. Lars Newtbar has been out with a thumb injury. So then you have guys getting more opportunities like an Alec Burleson, and he steps up and mm-hmm. has a huge game Sunday yesterday for the, for the Cardinals. And that's what this is all about. We know injuries are going to pop up, right? And it seems like the Cardinals have answers at so many different positions. It's yeah. almost like you can't take – I mean, you don't want to get hurt. Obviously, you have no control for the most part if you get injured. But with the depth that they have – you don't really want to miss any days. You don't want to miss a day because that could be the day where the guy that replaced you goes three for four and, and has two home runs. And now you're like, oh, he's going to play again tomorrow. And now you're missing back-to-back days, whether it be because of an injury or obviously you're not taking any days off this early in the season. But it can get to a point where guys are going to try it out there every single day because it's so much depth and so much talent, and that is a great problem to have if you're the Cardinals. This, I, I know there's people driving down the road, and they're thinking the exact same thing. There was a Yankee back in the 20s, right? <laughs> he, he, and he, he missed a game with a headache. His name was Wally Pipp. Yeah, you, only, you know him because of the guy that came in and replaced yeah, him. And uh, then, yeah, then Lou Gehrig came on and started 21-30 in a row. That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got a quick rush hour reset for you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to break down the biggest sports story of the day on the Opening Drive with today's big thing. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. It's 9.08 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And uh, Brooke Grimsley, uh, Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis, Randy Carriker, Matthew uh, Rocky. We were just talking about if Kerry and I were involved in politics. And it would not be pretty. Nah. If we get into office, people would love us, but the other politicians would not. Oh, no. The minute you start yelling at me, who, who, who you talking to? <laughs> Lower your tone and I will listen. If not, I'm going to punch you in the face. Sure, you got two options. Yeah, the same thing. I'll do the exact same thing. You can, you can. I can listen to your argument. I will respect it to a degree. But you're going to talk to me with some respect. We'd be all over. I'm going span. to teach you respect because yeah. clearly no one taught you this in life. <laughs> We'd be on C-SPAN with a line brawl in Congress. Uh, I would, if I'm running for president, I got Jamie Rivers as my VP. We're, we're gonna. Jamie, we're going in. He's Canadian. <sighs> Darn it. Dang it. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, I'm the president. I can do whatever the hell I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that one before, Kerry. Uh, okay, so uh, Cardinals uh, with a couple of wins on Saturday and Sunday over the Blue Jays. They take two of three, winning 4-1 on Saturday. And then yesterday with 9-4 uh, trouncing of the Jays. So the Blue, the Cardinals are off and running. The Blues also split their weekend, played two over the weekend, lost to the Preds 6-1 to on Saturday. And then the Bruins came in, took a 3-0 lead yesterday at Enterprise Center. Blues rallied to get it to 3-3 at the end of regulation, but the, the Bruins won it in a shootout. City SC loses their first game of the year. They fall to Minnesota 1-0 on the pitch over at City Park on Saturday kids. night. Uh, and uh, <laughs> didn't really... The, the, 
it was interesting that the players said we just didn't play with as much energy. I think they started feeling the fact that they were five and zero, and really? it's probably some pressure too. Well, I think if you are, you know, you, you kind of have beaten the expectations of everyone to this point. I don't know if it can be. I mean, you're playing with house money, so you should just go out there and, and compete and do everything you need to do. But sometimes you run into a team that is well prepared, and and now you don't get any goals. You We're can't target score. now, right? Yeah. Well, there's also something that seems to be going on where there's a difference between their first half and second half play, where you've seen that now. I at least and when I've watched it, two games in a row where first half they're kind of still trying to figure things out a little bit and then play a little better in the second half. And I think this is what you see as the result of that with this game is that maybe it was just not fixed in the right amount of time. And I wonder, with this philosophy that Lutz, Fon, and Steele brought in of just being pedal to the metal, you really can't do that for 90 minutes, can you? You kind of have to pick your spots. Well, I, he said they would, yeah. and, and which means you have to be an extremely well-conditioned team to do that and I think the longer you get into the season, if that is your style of play, when the weather starts changing, the more games you play, your body begins to break down. You'll never be as healthy as you were week one, week two. And so now you're six, seven games in. Your body can feel a little bit different, start cramping, start having some issues. It just it just happens when you're constantly pedal to the metal in that manner. And cramping, you need? Electrolytes. Pickle juice. Oh, yeah. Oh. Right? I used you, to have you that on pickle the sideline. Yeah. Mustard. So I, I, I used to do mustard. Pickle juice. I've had at the same time. <laughs> Either or, yeah. yeah or, like, or do you just get the yellow box of, bottle of French's and just <laughs> really yep. just oh, yeah. shoot it yeah. down your gullet? Huh? Right now, I, if I cramp up right now, I will find some mustard and go right to. I, I, if I cramp up after workouts and I'm in the bed or, or sitting around, go straight to the refrigerator. Okay. Point of parliamentary procedure here. Uh, Grey Poupon acceptable? Or yes. does it not, okay. I, I would does it count? That. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like but then you have little... to scoop that one. Well, I know they yeah, they have some squeeze bottles. Yeah. <laughs> get a big scoop. Get okay. in there and take care of your business. Okay. Take a pickle and just scoop the grape Poupon. There you go. There's the now. Play. Now yeah. you're now you're living. You've got the play. Big brain stuff over here. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm using this big brain over here. Yeah, <laughs> the Battle Hawks are now five and two after their 24-15 win over Houston, second place in the North Division. The only two games they've lost this year, the Battle Hawks, are to DC. They're really good. They, they've really got a good thing going over there. And D.C. lost this weekend. They yeah. lost their first game. So that, that gives them just a little bit closer to uh, to potentially taking that number one seed. We'll see if D.C. can lose a couple of more because they'll have the tiebreak advantage beating the Battlehawks twice. But um, they are. They're playing well, just steady, doing the things that, that they need to do and and winning games. Randy, we talked about it earlier, but a text to text it in. You liked the the, the April Fool's joke by the Battle Hawks. Loved it. You were a fan. Yeah. There were many people well, that weren't. And here's did the thing. not like it whatsoever. <laughs> this is because I, maybe my knowledge of this thing is just too intimate. But they literally plagiarized the words from the Rams statement when the Rams left. I mean, word for word. And to me, that's what made it brilliant is that they they took exactly what the Rams said and they used it as an April Fool's joke. I, and the Rams are an April Fool's joke. is an April Fool's joke anyway, yes. right? But uh, just to, uh, to do it that way, I thought was really funny and fun. So the Rams statement Here's their official statement was uh, 
Kroenke says St. Louis is a city known for its incredibly hardworking, passionate, and proud people. Being a part of the group that brought the NFL back to St. Louis in 1995 is one of the proudest moments of my professional career. And then you've got the Battlehawk statement that said, St. Louis is a city known for its incredible, hardworking, passionate, and proud people. Bringing the XFL back to St. Louis in 2023 will go down as one of the proudest moments in our league's history. <laughs> they, they ripped off Kroenke's uh, statement. It was perfect. I, I saw it. Well, somebody texted in, too. Was it huge? Humorous or is it tone deaf? No, it's funny. Come on. Don't look for reasons to be outraged. Look for reasons to have fun. When you realize, I think when you first see the tech, when you see the the, the words and you see leaving for L.A., it's a little shock to the system because it does bring up a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. But then when you realize it's April 1st, you got me. Like those are the best April Fool's jokes when you are really sad or sick or yeah, frustrated. Right. like, ah, okay. And look at it this way. They were trolling the Rams. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. Well, and also, you have, you've had really good attendance, too. Yeah. Whenever so. you have these home games. And so, I don't know. And by I'm, the way, the Battlehawks were very quick to say, just kidding. So <laughs> I'd hope so. <laughs> let's, kids, let's have some fun here, okay? Let's just enjoy life and smile. You don't have to be outraged, okay? Just take it as it is. Yes, you do, Randy. This is America. We're outraged about everything. Rage, rage, anger, yeah, anger. I, I can't even do some of the fun things we used to do on the fast lane like back in the day. I know, like a bunch of wings fan in the face. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, yeah, some of the jokes we did. Yeah. They don't fly yes. in this climate. <laughs> what is the name Uh-oh. of a man with no arms or no legs who's on a porch? Oh, my. I don't know. Matt. Oh. oh. Randy. Randy. Hey, come on. What? You're laughing. You're, you're both Randy. laughing. You're, Matthew's laughing. Oh, it's, it's good. You're in your goodness. car. You're laughing. Okay. Come on. Let's We're have fun. We're having fun. If you're hey, not bro. having fun at your job, you, oh, no. you shouldn't have. He got another he's one? Got he's got go another ahead. one loaded up ready to go. Okay, yes. Yes. <laughs> What do you call a guy? What's his name with no arms and no legs that's hanging on a wall? Why are there so many no arms and legs jokes <laughs> that's hanging there. on a wall? Uh, I don't know. Art. Oh. oh my God. What do you call somebody sitting in a pool with no arms, no legs? What do you call that, man? Bob. There Why are there so many arms what? and legs jokes? We're just, we're, we've got six senses of humor. Girl. Oh uh, okay, my so goodness. there you go. That's today's Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Uh, coming up next year on 101. Ryder, I'm sure he's whispering in rocks and telling him, tell him stop. No, no, Ryder's feeding me these ones. You call, you call a woman on a tennis court with no arms and no legs. What? Annette. Oh. That's my mom's name. Annette. I love you, Bob. It's a beautiful name, okay? It's a beautiful it's name. A beautiful I love name. My mother. Oh, that was <laughs> I don't know any more of these jokes, so I'm going to move on. They are jokes. They're, they, we're just joking, okay? Oh, we don't mean to offend. We're just trying to get people to laugh. Okay. Uh, coming up next year on 101 ESPN, City didn't look as dialed in as they did on their first five match days. And they took a hit on the table with their fixture on Saturday evening as they were on the pitch at City Park. We got a little bell in here every time you do a... A soccerism. Yeah, they, they lost uh, one nil on a penalty Ding. kick. We'll touch on what happened next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
a very, very unlucky game, especially the first half. Um, I think we dominated them. They didn't have any chances. Uh, then they get this penalty. I didn't, I didn't see the action. I didn't see the video after. I don't know if it's a penalty. Klaus says um, that he's hitting him right in the face, and so I don't know why, why we don't get a penalty. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That's City's Edwin Lewin after the 1-0 loss to Minnesota United on Saturday night over at City Park. And there was controversy. And interestingly, guys, there was the call against City and then the non-call against Minnesota that many people believe could have wound up in a penalty kick for City SC. But Lutz Fahnenstiel was asked about the, the penalty, and here's what he had to say in regards to what resulted in the only goal of the game for Minnesota? Two very tight, tight decisions. I mean, the one where, where we concede the penalty, uh, Nowinski plays the ball first, and Kyle slides in and, and, and hits the guy afterwards. So that, that's up to the referee to decide. Um, I wouldn't have given it, but obviously I'm wearing a, a pink shirt, so city <laughs> shirt, so that, that's something else. And our penalty, it, it, it's a tough one, to be honest, because Klaus goes of course puts the head a bit down because he goes for the ball but the defender who did hit him didn't see him so that was definitely something which which could have also gone the other way but i don't think we need to you know worry about the referee decisions that was not which decided the game for us or against us there was enough moments where we could have uh, scored a goal or where we have not, not have conceded that goal so it was not up to the referee but up to us so lutz very rational the penalty against City SC could have gone either way. And as he mentioned, hey, I'm wearing the pink or the, the city red shirt. And he did say that, hey, the, the call that didn't get called, the non-call, could have gone either way too. So there's rationality there. But at the end of the day, you played 95 minutes and you didn't put the, the ball in the opponent's net. And that you've, you've scored three goals in every game. So you've got to score and the City SC side did not. No, but I, you know, the thing is, is we knew that eventually it was going to happen, right? And I think it's really interesting to see two opponents now knowing what they're dealing with with City SC. I think early on, just like how they were underestimated in the preseason, you're seeing teams possibly kind of underestimating them as well going into games. And honestly, I think City SC has arrived. Now people know who they are. They know that they're a legitimate threat. And I just thought it was really funny afterwards that Fanagetiel and Carnell, Carnell said this also to his players, we've arrived in the league. People know about us in the league. We've been competitive. We are competitive. And we're not done yet. Obviously, you have a lot of season left. But I like, I whenever there's a loss, especially a first loss in a season for a team, I look at how they respond mm-hmm. to it. And I like their response to this as well. One of the biggest things in sports, from my perspective, and you, especially in soccer, hockey, football, <laughs> basketball, is and not you can't do it as much in baseball, but controlling the tempo. And I thought that's one of the things in the five wins that C- City did is that they played their game and yes. they controlled the tempo of the game. I thought they kind of fell into Minnesota's trap and, and played Minnesota's game on Saturday. And if you're an opposing team if you, and you've watched City play, you've watched their style of play, you probably say to yourself, okay, we need to be able to withstand this effort, this energy that they come mm-hmm. out with. And if we're able to do that, 
we can we can be on the offensive and be on the attack as opposed to being attacked because that's that's city style. They want to press you. They want to attack you. They want to get after you. And Minnesota probably did a good job of not allowing or not succumbing to that pressure early on and was able to score and able to hold on to the victory. And Lutz was asked if City was able to play their game. They were smart. They were made it tight. They didn't give us that many chances like we normally are able to to play out for ourselves. And they they caught us a few times on the on the on the turnovers, which is normally our game. Yeah, they they, they had a good match plan, and and in the end of the day, you know, they had these opportunities, especially that one opportunity which we gave, and they scored on the penalty. And I am of the belief, just watching the games that the matches that they'd played up to this point. The talent level is there for City to be able to control the tempo of games. Oh, yeah. Even watching Tim Parker, too, this past weekend, the way that you just, you he kind of carries in that relentless energy and pressure that we've seen from this group thus far. And I love watching him. I love watching Roman Berkey as well, the way that he riles guys, guys up and knows how to step in when needed. He's also the one that led that lap around the pitch to kind of thank the fans mm-hmm. for the continued support as well. Also, we forgot to mention, it was really cool to see Adam Wainwright come oh, out yeah. at the beginning there. That was just awesome to show that support and the fans went nuts as well. But I was still impressed by the response. It's not the result you'd like to see. There's definitely some things you could look back where it's like, well, maybe there was some calls here that you could look back and say that wasn't exactly in City SC's favor. But at the same time, we knew a loss was going to come. How they responded, I was really impressed by that. I mean, it was the, when they finally let up the penalty, it was like the third time that they got a tackle on the box where I was, yeah. okay, this might be bad. And so like the fact that it finally came didn't really surprise me. And so I was, I was a little surprised people tried to you know pick up that reason. Listen, Ed Leuven said it. They dominated the first half and they looked completely flat in the second half. And, and, and that's, when they, that's when they took over. That's just how the game's going to go sometimes. Brooke, you were talking about something that took place in the stands. You showed me a video of of the fans that oh, that, yeah. that wouldn't sit down. What what are your thoughts on on fans that stand up the entire time? I think it well, the thing is is that in that situation it looked to me like a lot of people were sitting yeah. around there and I know that there're standing sections. The past two games that I've been to at home it looked to me like people were standing the majority of the time. Mm. But in that video, it looked like most of the people were sitting. I wish that I wish I could know. Yeah, I wish I could know like what exactly was being said back and forth, because I do think you have to be mindful of not everybody can stand at a game, especially for a long period of time. Now, if it's like a supporter section, I think that you literally know what you're signing up Mm -hmm. for. You're going to stand the whole time. You're going to be rowdy, everything like that. But it, I don't know. It seemed like it was something that could have been easily like solved and handled, and I don't know if it needed to be taken to that that part or it, that point. I think that, that the city fans have done a great job of being great fans, and and you expect that, which is why they took the lap around the pitch afterwards. It, it's it's what you've come to expect in a short period of time, and it only takes one or two people to ruin the experience. And hopefully, you know, going forward, city fans continue, and fans, you know, Battlehawk. Cardinal Blues continue to be respectful of everyone that is around them and understanding that, you know, do the right thing. Yeah. It's not always a, it's not always about you. I know that's news to some people. 
once the police officers show up, you should just sit down. show some respect. Yeah, it's it's not that difficult we, a concept to grasp. When we were at the an, an opening day, I watched. I kept pointing out to you guys there was guys who were chirping the Blue Jays players, so they paid uh, yeah. for some nice seats. <laughs> right they paid, the yeah, they were right behind the dugout. The they were standing up and like shouting at the players, and you could see it. And they got they both got kicked out. And I looked at Carrie, and I was like, Could you imagine paying? I don't know how much money to go to this game because it's opening day Cardinals at Butch Stadium and you you go berserk and start yelling at the players and get kicked out and probably get banned right yeah from not ever a, coming back to Bush Stadium yeah, come on not a smart decision yeah. so uh, CDSC drops a 1-0 clean sheet to Minnesota United disappointing yeah, but hey you know what who's going to be standing at the end who's going to be standing at the end that's my question there you go. it's going to be City uh, and that is Controlled Chaos here on 101 ESPN coming up a little bit more about Jack Flaherty's first start of the season. And are we discouraged or encouraged? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Getting frustrated is not going to do anything for anybody. And that's something that I've had to learn and figure out. You know, getting frustrated and showing emotion is not going to do anything for me. It's not going to do anything for the team. It's going to do something for the hitter. Um, but I'm not going to pitch well when I'm frustrated. I'm not going to pitch well the more I let my emotions kind of take over me instead of just being there and focusing on the next pitch and, you know, finding some peace and um, being able to just continue to execute and, like, let that last pitch go and move on to the next one. Getting frustrated doesn't do anything. That's Cardinal right-hander Jack Flaherty, who threw five no-hit innings on Saturday, but did walk seven, and looked like things were going to get away from him there in the first inning. He got the first two and then walked the bases loaded, got out of it, and guys, I love hearing that, and I hope that Jack can put that into practice, because one of the things that I, in my analysis of Jack Flaherty, that I see, have seen in the past, I didn't see it on Saturday. It looked like he applied what he was saying because his body language in situations like Saturday in the past mm-hmm. has been one of, uh, damn it. And, and so you, I always want to see the, the the stoic Chris Carpenter. Not many guys are Chris Carpenter, right? But Jack didn't let Saturday get away from him when it could have. And not being emotional is such a big part of being a pitcher. And I thought what he did Granted, he did walk the seven, but just in terms of my view of his body language and the hitter's body view of his body language, I thought he handled it really, really well. It felt like after he walked Guerrero, it was about to get there. It was his second walk. He kind of, you know, had to reset himself. Mm-hmm. I think he threw the ball back to the to the umpire to yep, kind of right. reset and and use that moment. And I, I agree with you. I think in the past years he might have, you know, fallen, might have gone off the rails at that point. But he he used that moment, just a, a brief second, to kind of reset and get himself back. And then he he, he walked another batter, um, but it was able to get the 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 um, get it get get it going back in the manner in which he wanted to go to. So I think just that moment you talked about it, Brooke. His last spring training start where he got knocked around early and ha- and came out of the game, and they were able to put him back in. And, and that's allowed to reset him. So maybe he's finding ways to in-game 
take reset. that time to reset himself and not get so out of whack or out of sorts where he can't he can't finish the game. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, he and he even said, "Look, I, I thought that was really nice of him and encouraging as well to show his mental toughness." He even said, seven walks is not pitching." Mm-hmm. He said that mm-hmm. after the game. That's not something that's going to work over the long run. I was able to get away with it today. Even Ali Marmal said it could have snowballed, but it didn't. We're not talking about that. It's the way that he was able to find a way mentally to push through that. And we know pitching is really a lot about your mental strength. It's focus. And there is a reason that the best starting pitchers are also great golfers because they are able to (laughs) put their mistakes behind them and focus in on either shot or pitch. If I hit a bad shot, I don't have that mental uh, ability to put it behind me. So I'm still thinking about that last shot, that last bad shot when I hit my next shot. Pitching is the same way. You, You have to have a really short memory and you have to be very, very present. And that's what makes... Max Scherzer, great. That's what makes Verlander. That's what makes Clayton Kershaw. That's what made Wayne O. Chris Carpenter. Is that, and by the way, from what I understand, all great golfers too, but the ability mentally to not worry about what just happened and only worry about what's going to happen next. And Kerry, I have to believe as a football player, you might have had a bad play or two, yeah. but Frank Gans, the old Rams special teams coach, said one snap and clear. Yeah. Whether it was good or bad, one snap and clear. Yeah, you can't sit around and worry about what just happened, especially in football. You're you worrying about what took place the last play. You might get knocked out this mm-hmm. upcoming play. So you want to be locked in. And I think that's the the when you become a professional athlete the better you are the better the better athlete you are the better you are or or of forgetting what just took place just going on to the next thing like you said good or bad you got to go to the next snap the next pitch the next play and and I think Jack Flaherty like I said I think he figured some things out in this start last spring training start maybe helped him to reset and figure some things out hopefully we can prevent all of these walks and and go forward and have a better mm-hmm. outing. Even if you give up a couple of hits, you're at least pitching to people. I think he was trying to be too perfect and strike guys out and not give up that big hit or that big shot to one of those those power hitters that the that the Blue Jays had. And it just became just kind of nitpicking instead of just attacking guys. And Brooke, earlier in the show, you mentioned his lack of velocity because Jack, when he was healthy, was uh, he was a 95, 96, 97 guy. Yeah. Now he's a 90, 91, 92 guy. So he's going to have to have better command. And he's, like he said, that's not pitching. He is going to have to pitch. He just can't throw anymore. Exactly. I. It's just something to watch, as I mentioned. It's not anything that, you know, has cause too much concern for me right now because this is just one game. I do think that in a lot of ways, especially pitching-wise, you have to scrape what you saw in spring training, right? Mm -hmm. Because in spring training, we mentioned this before, they're usually working, testing things out before the real deal starts. And so maybe you just throw out some of the stuff you saw in spring training with Jack Flaherty and hope that this is at least an encouraging step forward. For me, anything where it's a healthy Jack Flaherty and where he's worked on his mental toughness, something that he even mentioned that he needed to work on. He worked on his, the way that he kind of carried himself this offseason. He mentioned that was something that he wanted to look into. And you see that he was able to bounce back in that performance. Also, I just thought it was really interesting, that video that he tweeted out as well. We mentioned that earlier, too, with him and the Joker. And mm-hmm. it's just ironic that at the end, because that's one of his sayings, right, is don't think. Well, little did he know, would he really kind of need that don't think, don't right. panic approach later on in his performance? 
Do you all have any concern with uh, Helsley or Jordan Hicks? Maybe more Hicks than, than Helsley at this point? I just want Jordan to have command. I don't have any qualms with Ryan Helsley. I think okay. he'll be fine. But Jordan Hicks now, it's been a long time since he's, well, has he ever been an efficient pitcher? He, at some point, we need some efficiency from him. Just, uh, I, I, I'm, I, Brooke, you talked about the control. Uh, the lack of control at times. I think we see that. I think when you're throwing that fast, if you don't have control over it, and then it's it's becoming difficult for the catchers as well because if you're throwing it that hard and they don't know where it's gonna go, it's gonna be hard for them to frame it for you. So yeah, he's got a he does he maybe dial it back a couple of miles per hour will help him with the control and knowing exactly where it can go and and still be efficient and be able to get guys out. Well, it's even like when we were when we were all sitting together and Hicks came out, I was like. You see, I don't know if you want that to be your starting yeah. pitcher right now yeah. <laughs> in your starting rotation. Yeah. And yeah, especially you can't walk, guys. With the, and with the three batter minimum. Yeah. It's, it's kind of dangerous at this point to bring him on. That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, rock and roll as we head down the stretch of this edition of The Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Your St. Louis Cardinals are back in action tonight. They'll take on the Atlanta Braves at the ballpark. It's the opener of a three-game series. And the Cardinals will pitch Jake Woodford, who uh, has been working on his slider. He doesn't really have the the deuce like Uncle Charlie. But hopefully he'll be able to, uh, to rock and roll all night as uh, the Cardinals will uh, get things started. And uh, you never know. Uh, he, he was hotter than hell during the course of the the, the spring. And maybe uh, after uh, a game like tonight, the Cardinal fans will just be able to shout it out loud because maybe uh, he'll just... You know, maybe he's he'll turn into a creature of the night. You never know. Hey, we've got uh, <laughs> we, we, we've got uh, Kiss tickets for you. Your chance uh, every day this week to win a pair of tickets to see Kiss on October 25th at Enterprise Center. And uh, I got to tell you, it's uh, it'll be a crazy, crazy night. So uh, tickets for the end of the road tour are on sale now. The very last tour ever for Kiss, they say. Or you can win free tickets by texting in 314-399-9646 and answer a trivia question that Matthew has put together for you for Kiss. And I'm sure that uh, this will be a trivia question, Matthew, that you have uh, been thinking about forever. What do you got? Oh, yeah, because, well, I mean, Kiss is doing another farewell tour, and it got me thinking about players who, who did a couple farewell tours, and, and one of our least favorite right now has to be, of course, Brett Favre. When he did his song and dance with the Packers, he made a jump over to the Jets, and then he finally finished his career with the Vikings. So, what was the result of Brett Favre's final career pass in the NFL? Was it a playoff game? What was the result of Brett Favre's final career pass in the NFL? <laughs> Texter number 22 gets that one. Texter number 22 wins those tickets. Um, Matthew, should we ask what the result of his final playoff pass was? Playoff pass was his final playoff pass was in the NFL? Yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't, I said, yeah, it was, it was in the playoffs, but what was the, the, the result of his final playoff pass? Perfect. It's an NFL pass, right? Yeah. It, it is an NFL pass, but if I'm not mistaken, he may have gotten hurt in his last season mm. um, and uh, not played. So uh, so anyway, let's just uh, let's do it that way. Playoff pass. There it is. All right. So if you are the texter, uh, you got nothing to lose. 
if you text in to the text line 314-399-9646 and maybe you'll score a pair of tickets to see KISS on October 25th. You can also find a bonus chance to win under the contest page at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 mobile app. All right, Matthew, what do you got for rock and roll? The Atlanta Braves actually just announced that they're going to retire number 25 for Andrew Jones. I just thought this was interesting. We've been talking to Cardinals retired numbers. So I just want to throw out to you, who's the next Cardinal who gets their number retired and why might it be a little bit? On the current roster? Yeah, no, not on the current roster. Just overall, who's the next number you think the Cardinals retire? Five. Five or four or both. Five or four. Probably mean. But. At the same time. I know Bill DeWitt told us that the Cardinals were going to change their philosophy. Mm-hmm. I th- I still think they're going to retire 27. Hmm. Hmm. For rolling. So, the thing, you, you can retire a jersey but not retire the number. Meaning... You retire that person's jersey, but yeah, people can honor still, the jersey somehow. Yeah, people yeah. still are able to, to wear, wear the it. number because you know some franchises, <clears throat> Pittsburgh Steelers, you know they have so many great players in their history. <laughs> oh if you were to retire every single number, you wouldn't have enough numbers. You know, it, yeah. it's there are some historic, you know, franchises that just have a legacy of greatness that if you were just to retire every number, we would be out here with triple-digit numbers. So, you know, you retire the jersey, you give the player their honor, and, and you, you show them love, but you still allow people to wear that number. That's That, that seemed like it was... <laughs> <laughs> Very much targeted uh, to talk just about the Pittsburgh Steelers and how great they are. Yeah, why not? Y'all can put some offensive linemen in the fifties. You'll survive. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, you got okay. a lot of great players. So many Hall of Famers. Can't even <laughs> name them all. Speaking of surviving, uh, there's a fan out there in Oakland who got away with one. Uh, Anthony Rendon uh, got into with a fan. The fan uh, got close to him through the railing. He apparently threw some B-word expletives at Rendon. Rendon then used a certain contraction uh, with, with MF in it. Oh, no. And uh, then it appeared to take a swipe at the player. Major League Baseball has not yet come down with any sort of punishment. Rendon, when asked about it, said he couldn't comment because Major League Baseball is talking about it right now. But just another escalation as we've kind of seen over the last I'd say probably four or five seasons of just fan and player interaction getting crazier and crazier. And again, I think the most interesting part was the Angels manager saying, this happens a lot. Sometimes you just always don't see it. Hmm. I mean, it does happen often where fans are... uh, Disrespectful would be be kind, a kind way to put Mm -hmm. it. And, And generally the disrespect comes further away like the stands where you're 30 yards or, you know, I, I, we've had, it, it, it happens, but it's never really close enough for, for someone to touch you. And if they do touch you, I do think they should be, uh, you know, DDT, suplex. I mean, Rend- Rendon was the one who touched him. Rendon grabbed the collar, his shirt, and threw the railing, pulled him close and, and had some words He for just him. was trying, he couldn't hear him. <laughs> I was unable to hear what he said, so I, I wanted him to get, I pressed his face up against the fence that I reached through so that I could hear him. It was so loud outside. <laughs> and I just, I, I wanted to hear what this fan was saying because it was, it was, it was important to me. That's, that, that's what you're saying to the MLB when they bring you in? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't hear I was trying him. to have a conversation. I reached through, my hand got stuck, and when I tried to pull my hand back, his shirt was <laughs> in my hand. Somebody is, somebody's going to get seriously injured by trying to confront a pro athlete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, listen. Sorry my, for them. Never forget, 
if it, if not for a certain puddle of beer hitting the floor and then getting under a certain player's foot, Malice in the Palace is a lot worse than it looks yeah. right now because mm. there were there were some punches that did not connect. Jermaine O'Neal slipped. Uh-huh. Yep. He slipped, mm-hmm. and and had he not slipped. It would have been a – the shot heard around the world. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, and yes, missed. And, Kerry, well, I'm going to get you out of here on a positive. Um, LeBron James really thinks that the Lakers, you know, hope for a championship is what is what brought them so much <laughs> energy over this last mm-hmm. week. And, and he was really impressed with what he saw. When he was sitting out, he really thinks they could make a run. That's cool. Good when he was them. sitting out. I like how he you was, snuck that in there. Out. He was. I'm just AD saying. But then he had a chance to observe them, yeah, right? Yeah, 30,000 foot view. I don't know how it looked better. I banged his ankle up a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. He, he he managed to get back into the game. He's a he's an accident waiting to happen. We had a, I had a friend. We used to call him. <laughs> wait. I, I got, so we had a friend. We called him Bloop. His name, because he was like a walking blooper. He would just fall all over the place. So Bloop, that, that's what AD is. He's kind of a walking blooper. He's just going to fall all over himself and, and you know, make mistakes. It's just funny. It's great. That's uncalled for. <laughs> you get terrible nicknames. Also, I, hey, I respect LeBron. He's a great leader on a terrible oh, team yeah. that Good isn't going to do anything him. in the playoffs. Yeah, right. Cool. Uh, by the way, Matthew. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, the last playoff pass thrown by Brett Favre was an interception. He threw it to Tracy Porter of the New Orleans Saints, and I lost a lot of money in that moment. You did. That was like one that of the. Was, I was sitting in the room with a Saints fan, and I, and, and, he, and and I felt I I was like they're going to do fine. He goes, I I guarantee you, Favre throws a pick on, on this possession. I was like, no way. I'll put fifty bucks on that. Three plays later, and then that <laughs> was Bounty Gate. Yeah, that that was. Yeah, that was December uh, or January of 2009. Comes back in 2010. His last game was against the Bears on December 10th of 2010. His last pass, incomplete short right for Vishante Shanko. Oh, there's a name for that. And then two plays later, Favre was sacked by Corey Wooten. Corey! And never played another snap in the NFL. Corey Corey was a nerd, wasn't he? Corey went to Northwestern. Yeah. Corey's a good dude, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he actually lives here. Yeah. He lived here. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so, Corey, hey, I know you're listening because shout you're out. here. Yeah, shout out to to Corey Wooten. Great job today by our producer engineer, uh, Matthew Rocchio. Good to have you back. Great to be back. Pleasure. And uh, congratulations to Keith, by the way. I'm making it to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Good job, Keith. Oh, yeah. 14 months, man. Oh, <laughs> doing so well. They're doing so good. Uh, yeah. You think Carlos Beltran's ever going to make the Hall of Fame? <laughs> uh, great job today by Brooke. Yes, this is fun. This is good. <laughs> You make me laugh. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.